Hey, hey, it's Char. And it's Jace. And our 100th episode live show is coming up on Sunday, June 17th at the Downtown Independent Theater from 4 to 7 p.m. in downtown Los Angeles. A hundred whole ass episodes. Yes. So make sure you guys get your tickets at kat100.eventbrite.com. Gen Pop goes for 10 bucks, but the VIP goes for $20. You get a gift bag, you get priority seating, you get priority questions, and a complimentary glass of vino as you walk in the door. And that's either red or white. You can choose whichever kind of wine you want. Come on, variety. <laughs> Again, guys, that's kat100.eventbrite.com. Get your tickets. We have an awesome panel, awesome conversation, and awesome surprises. You do not want to miss this one. I guarantee it. See you there. Hey friends, it's Jace. Oh yes, it's Char. And you're tuned in to Kiss and Tell Radio. California love. Hi, Char. Hey, I didn't even realize we had started. Yeah, we started. We're in California too. Obviously, Jace. Mm-hmm. Welcome to another fabulous episode of Kiss and Tell Radio. Char, how you doing? You know, I could be better. I'm I'm a little hoarse. Oh, I heard something else. Horse. You thought I said I'm a little whore? I mean, I enunciate. I know you heard this. <laughs> you would have known if I said whore. I like, I'm a oh, little horse. Not Kim K. My vo- Oh, wow. The misogyny is on full display today. That was a joke from a past <laughs> episode. If you guys have been keeping up with the hashtag KAT radio. Um, anyhow. We had a full weekend, though. We were together a lot. Yes, we were. Mm, but we're going to. Ryan was here too. We're going. I was just about to say we're going to get to that after I introduce our guest this week. <laughs> so this week we have a Texas native and a recent LA transplant. Yeehaw. His name is Ryan Sides. He's a digital media executive working towards becoming a professional multidisciplinary writer, having penned f- and been featured on sites such as Complex, Karen Civil. The Washington Post, Brides Magazine, and Ebony. Did they pay you? (laughs) They did. They paid you? Okay. Move closer to your mic, Ryan. Got you. Okay. So they paid Ryan, and on time. And on time. Well, hashtag Ebony O's. (laughs) Not anymore. Um, Ryan now focuses his professional time on social media, digital marketing, and brand strategy. Welcome to the show, Ryan. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. Welcome. Thanks for sliding by. I write Ryan, formerly of Complex. Mm -hmm. I call him that every time I see him. You wrote for Bryce Magazine, too? Yeah. What did you write about Bryce? Um, So, funny story. I actually went to school for entertainment event management, and, like, my focus was going to be wedding planning. And Mm. I still freelance for a wedding and event planner in New York. Um, And so she's featured in like Brides and Martha Stewart Wedding. And it's like they're presented as her opinions, but I'm really the one writing it. Like I'm I'm her ghostwriter. That's Quentin cute. Miller. Oh wow, yeah. you're the Quinn, the the Quentin to her Drake. That is it. <laughs> <laughs> Don't call Pusha T. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, so this weekend, just really quickly, mm-hmm. Um, mm. it was a whirlwind, but it was fun. So, yeah. well, are you horse too, Ryan? I'm not. Okay. I what? am literally. I've done a lot of talking this weekend, but Friday, like I always. um 
I impulsively went to Francesca Ramsey's book signing. Oh, how was for it? Her, it was very nice for her uh, newest book. Damn, the title just slipped well, my mind. Well, that escalated quickly. Yes, that es- well, that escalated quickly. So I was oh, there. Oh, well, literally right now. No, no that's <laughs> the I name. Like, no, she's horse. Dr. John Paul was there. Mm-hmm. We linked up. It was one of those random L.A. nights. We linked up. It was like four black women that we connected with. Mm. We ended up taking a field trip to Target and ended up at Roscoe's in Pasadena on Lake Street and had dinner together. Shout out and to Francesca, you know, not <laughs> and to Target. Right. <laughs> not to get into too much detail, but Francesca, after the book signing, she had a conversation with us for like twenty to thirty minutes where she was extremely transparent to a, a lot of a lot of things. Industry politics and a lot of things that she's went through firsthand. And it it was it was nice because I was like, okay, I don't even. This is my first time meeting her. She was extremely transparent. It was like a safe space. But I appreciated that hearing that from someone who uh, garnered, you know, her success and fame from the internet. You know, with shit white girls say to black mm-hmm. girls mm-hmm. back in 2012. It's refreshing. And Viral. so yeah, and her book is an easy read. Like, did I'm you finish almost, it already? No, no, no. no. Okay. I really haven't picked it up since I got it because I've been so busy mm-hmm. but I've checked in like I've read a few pages it's an easy read it's funny it's engaging um, I just can't wait to get through it yeah um, she should come on the show I think well she... when she's in LA again she lives in New York City yeah I know she we have mutual friends Saturday Jason and I went to NABJ uh, they had a panel mm. for black that men was Saturday? in media that was Saturday morning <laughs> I that was like two weeks ago and it, the panelists uh, were uh, Karamo Brown, Lil Rel, the comedian. Mm, Von wow. Lathan. V- uh, yeah, Van up, Lathan. Um, Kanye West on yes, TMZ. Yes, TMZ. Um, who else Van. was up there? Oh, Scott, oh, Scott. Evans. My Panamanian cousin. Scott uh, Evans of Access Hollywood, and he does Own Tonight with uh, Stacey Ike. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, it was a it was a great panel. It was a great mm-hmm. discussion. And so, and sure uh, asked a very good question as well about, you did as you well. Know, Oh, thank you. Um, I asked about how black men are actively combating misogynoir mm-hmm. because black women always show up for black men. And I don't really see that re- reflected or reciprocated on the World Wide Web right. or in life. Well, actually, no, I'll take that back. I've seen it in the physical form, in the flesh, in life more so than I've seen it online. Mm-hmm. And so I was asked, because you know Lil Rel called out uh, Tracy Morgan yep. for being rude to uh, Tiffany, Tiffany Haddish, Hatt- yeah. about the Tiffany Haddish question. So I wanted to know in what ways and what other ways will black men uh, show up, especially with Kanye being number one. And we know all of the problematic things that he's done lately, but you know, Chris, people, women like Chrisette are canceled for performing at inaugurations. Like she's dead to us. Yeah. Yeah. Well, but, Kanye too has a very large white audience. I think Chrisette Michelle. Oh, there's feels, a lot of Negroes supporting you. I was too. about to say there is, but he also has a huge, he has more white, white following audience. than Chrisette. Right. But there are a lot of Negroes supporting Kanye openly, unapologetically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Listening. I've listened to Kanye's part of Kanye's album, not intentionally, but because I've been around people who were playing it, who yeah. are black. I actually yeah. heard it recently who with don't a friend. Care. And I was like, is that Kanye? Because I, I can't subscribe. I but still haven't listened to it yet. I, me either. I'm not. This guy that I'm, I, I'm what? really good friends <laughs> with, he is obsessed with Yikes. Some song named Yikes. He can't stop listening to it. And I'm like, you're so Are you going to listen to it, Ryan? That's, I, I can't say like I'm actively avoiding it, but I'm just not pressed to get to it. And like typically whenever there's like 
and a Kanye release, like I'm right there. I, I'll never forget like Me too. when he did like Yeezus. I was living in New York at the time, and like he tweeted, "I'm doing like a special listening and like the preview of uh, Black Skinheads at dis- these different locations oh, around yeah, the world." Oh yeah, because he did uh, mm-hmm. Chicago near yeah. the lake in Millennial Park. Right. Yeah. And when, so that's I, when he was projecting. Yeah. yeah okay. Exactly. Yeah. And like I went downtown. Like I was so excited. I went downtown. This was in. I want to say it was like in Soho. It was like right around. Um, Maybe like Spring Street, like where that like open. Anyway, if you're mm-hmm. not familiar with New York, but yeah, so I was there and I like just I remember being like excited and like knowing like Kanye creates those kind of moments. But he does. since it's like since the TMZ situation happened, like I've just not I'm not there. I feel like Kanye always kind of goes haywire right before an album release. Like, this by far was the worst. Oh Absolutely. no, for sure the worst. Because like, I can't even the remember the other last time. I don't. What was the last song I don't. Play, came the, out? the last song. Pablo, right? Yes, Life of Pablo. What did he What's do? But like, what was the? I feel like he went. He said something stupid or crazy right before the album came out. I wouldn't be surprised. I just I, I don't, don't know. Remember. I have a short memory in terms. I of I just like, remember Black China fucking Rob helping with the weight. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's all I remember. Um, I don't remember him going. But this, like, you know, you guys know, I always say politics are so tribal right now. Like, I can't joke. I nothing about Donald Trump and what's going on is funny to me. At all. Or can I make light? Or you know, I can't make light of a lot of this stuff. So um, it's like I have to either choose to actively ignore it. Or it depends on the level of damage. But the slavery, it was a choice. And this autographed Make America Great Again. Like it, and you I saw Issa Rae called him out as well. Yeah. Oh, in With front Kim of Kim. K in, the Aust- mm. in front of Kim. Kim was and being the, honored that night. The I, I think what might have been the, the straw for me was that Pusha T album cover. Yes. Oh, we yeah, cannot forget how he yeah. shelled out. Despite having financial woes, he found Can it I? in his piggy bank to shell out $85,000 to get that picture from, I think it's the National Enquirer that I had that picture. I don't care for free. Yeah. <laughs> like, I just... Well, I you know what everyone's that. been saying? Kanye, you... you it told us that you battled with opioids. So why didn't you take a, a picture of your own prescription or your own shitty bathroom? Or better yet, how about you show some compassion or push like a understanding and just not do it? Right. That is true. But Pusha T is famous for push it. He's a pusher, right. as they said on Mean Girls. <laughs> he's a pusher. So he's got the drugs. Shot Kanye the was hooked thing. on the drugs. Kanye, why don't you take a picture? Or Pusha, why don't you take a picture of your own stuff? I don't see... Also, why is Pusha not getting, like, the the brunt of the flag for this? Like, Pusha's, like, an executive at, I think, Def Jam? Like, yeah. where... I like, think he's not because Kanye's the one that purchased it. Because Pusha said, when the uh, when the idea was presented to him, he was like, I'm not paying $85,000 for no damn photo for no album cover. But I'm cool with them using it. Yes. Be see? clear. Massage mm-hmm. Accountability. Okay, so la- <laughs> later on, um, on Saturday, I went to a 90s party. It was cool. Mason's brunch. Back to Charles' life. It was. It was. I mean, we're doing quick uh, weekend update. I'm telling everyone how you all intertwined with me. So, but Sunday morning we uh, all met up at Mama's shelter for I guess like a welcome to summer brunch type thing. That's not what I was told. I it was know about. what. Yeah, what that's not what the about? brunch was about. <laughs> that's not what the brunch was about. Well, what it was were you a told? hey dawns in town. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> It was also, it felt like Welcome to Summer to me. Sure, too. it was. Yeah, absolutely. It was, a brunch you, on June We had there, like a slash in the title. Shout um, out to Zon. And shout out to Mason for hosting the brunch. It was great. It was it a lot of fun. Good it was hot. Yeah, we did I thought it was perfect. No. My sister is sunburned. She sent me pictures. I, I don't know. We that wasn't needed, hot enough for me. We needed more umbrellas, and I felt like I should have been yeah. there earlier to stake my claim. And for those of you guys that live in middle America or Detroit or wherever, Mama Shelter <laughs> sits on the rooftop of a hotel, and it is very – so you're closer to the sun, and it's just hot. And they and have we don't giant, get a lot of breezes. Yeah, so there's giant like, kind of like bed slash couches, like yeah. day beds. Yeah. And so if you are not 
by an umbrella, you're in the direct sun. Yes. yes. And not a cloud in the sky in LA. Caucasian or light. There was no clouds that day, too. There were no. not a single None. one. No. Not a single one. My sunshine has come. Come on, Angie Stone. It was fun, though. Um, Prosecco. So, all right. Sunday night. Well, actually, before we talk Sunday night with Pose, let's uh, quickly... Oh, okay. I was like, what happened Sunday night? <laughs> well, I didn't go out to the club. I watched... We're going to talk Pose, but I also want to talk about um, the deadline party that Jason and I went to on Monday night, Ooh. which was something that I was not... It was a deadline Emmy party for the publication. Y'all are so famous. And... No, we're not. I, <laughs> yeah, we just got an invite from our new friend, Amanda. Shout out to Amanda, contributor at Deadline. Mm-hmm. Um. And what I wasn't expecting, I thought it was going to be a little bit more laxed, and it was not. I walk in, Poppin'. the cast of Dear White People is there. There's a few people from Insecure. <laughs> you got Nichelle Nichols. Shout out to the legendary, iconic Nichelle Nichols. She was fangirling, gushing over my earrings and my hair. I, I wanted to bow in her presence. Tia Murray, Hardrick, and uh, Corey, her husband, mm. were there. Um, shout out to Etienne, Shirley Ralph's son. He was there. So it was just like a mix of it, but I thought it was going to be more relaxed because I know Deadline to be a publication and it's the Emmy like party. I wasn't expecting like and people were there on whoa, it started at six p.m. I think I got there at like seven thirty mm-hmm. and it was packed. Yeah. Well, it was only from six to nine, so if you didn't get there at seven thirty, yeah, you might as well I stay at like, home. Yeah, I mean, I always <laughs> think that, I have to forget because in New York, you know, you go to the parties like that after you go to work and you're yeah. in in bed by eleven o'clock p.m. But I was people forget were there that. right after work. I know, but after, I don't go to those types of parties in like L.A. Uh, Usually, parties okay. I go to they start at nine. You don't get there till twelve thirty. Right. <laughs> I was I was conversing with someone there, and I was like, this, I feel like this should have been like a seven to ten function, mm-hmm. but no, it was six to Mm-mm. nine, and people were there. Go at in, six. open bar, get your drink, get drunk. This was Sunday. This was Monday. Monday. Night. Monday night, yeah, but bouncing night. back to Sunday. So, oh, post premiered. Let's just dive into this. <laughs> I have so many talking points. I watched it three times. Okay. I cried each and every time. <laughs> I got, well, the more I watched it, the the less I cried, but I still felt the tears welling up. Mm-hmm. Um, what are some of y'all's favorite characters who resonated the most with you? What storylines touched you? I felt like it was a movie. They c- covered so much. Well, it was an hour and a half. Yeah. I mean, plus commercials. I mean, but they covered so much. Mm-hmm. It could so, have been one dimensional, but it was stacked. It was layered. Uh, okay, I'll answer your question because I know we're going to get into like the larger topics later. But I think, obviously, Blanca, hands down. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. But I also live for Blanca's old house mother. Like, she was just so kind. Oh, Electra Abundance. She was mm-hmm. so kind. Like, <laughs> when she called Blanca a beast. <laughs> That was something that took me back to the Chicago days. I think some of her reads were a little weak. Yeah, she just knew how to string together her presence. Her presence, right? She was giving me Cynthia Bailey meets Diane Mm -hmm. Carroll. She follows me on Twitter. I didn't realize that until like the show came out. I know her from um, (laughs) not shit. I almost said Pose. Oh, Strut. That's the other show, the reality show that Isis King and Laith Ashley were a part of when they were modeling on Oxygen, and Whoopi Goldberg was the EP of that show. Mm. Um, So. Yeah, for me, my favorite, of course, everybody can probably be able to guess, was Angel Storyline. Um, because I Angel's resonated. the escort with the big hair. Yes, I resonated so much with her, She's not so for being an escort, let me be clear. <laughs> but, okay, I resonated a lot with Angel because of everything that she was going through. Mm-hmm. I resonated with her as far as the scene where she w- exposed herself 
to this guy. Like that was something very triggering for me. It's not I that resonated. Little. You said what? It's not that little. Mm-hmm. I, right. <laughs> I resonated. Uh, My little friend. Especially. <laughs> Just with the with Stan, that's the character's name. Stan uh, using her for like free therapy because I always mm. bitch about that on this show about how cis men that I'm involved with literally just use me as a Yanla and you know and, and it, her storyline just got got to me yeah. a lot. Um, I also loved Blanca. She's mm-hmm. gonna get an Emmy. Yeah, I yeah, no, for sure. They're writing like you, you know how you can tell like when they're like, in the same way you can recognize Oscar bait like you can tell that they're writing for her Emmy. Oh, and yeah, I think that's something sure. that kind of like great her delivery, sure. the cinematography. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whoever, she's out very to, authentic. Yes. Yeah, like that's what it is. And shout like, out to you, the like, musical director. Yeah, the soundtrack yes. was banging. Yeah. Yeah. Shaka the nineties. <laughs> I want them to dial back on Blanca's script to make it a little bit more true to life. Like when they were walking to the ball, I forget what the guy's name, like the oh yeah, the homeless seventeen. Yeah, yeah, I forget what his name is, but like mm-hmm. she was taking him to the ball for the first time and like explaining like what a ball was. But she was mm-hmm. like, "This is a place where everyone's accepted because no one is like." It's right. just like it was like so yeah. over. Like, nobody would have explained li- a ball like that. I loved her line when she told him, um, "Sweetie, you're a gay black boy. Who else you gonna find to make you feel right at the diner? Those moments, right." Yep. Those moments and the um, we don't have the luxury of shame. Yes. Yeah. Ma'am, did that. come on. Oh, and come the on. monologue to the dance director. Yep. I'm his mother. mother. Yep. Yeah. Um, I what? loved. I was following a lot of the threads because I I had every intention on watching this with the East Coast, but I didn't get a chance to. And it looks like by the look of my schedule, I won't be able to live tweet this show <laughs> for the next few weeks. But uh, I loved how Janet Mock. Uh, I saw some of her tweets about how they intentionally framed that trans bodies are not always uh, points of trauma, how trans Mm -hmm. women are desired. Like they wanted to show, because a lot of people were like, okay, in this hotel room with Angel and Stan, this could get real American horror story real fast, you Mm -hmm. know? And I was real fearful of that because of Ryan Murphy. Yeah. But you know, he's in good hands. But you know, I was about to say, you know, he outsourced. So Ryan Murphy is not necessarily at the helm of this show. He made sure he called people. And Twiggy's on there, writing on there. You know, like the Janet Mock is on there. So from the inception of it. And he had consultants that didn't Mm -hmm. Right, that, but that exactly. just sat there and was like, "Nope, that's wrong." Yeah, that's not how we did balls in the eighties. <laughs> from <laughs> from the inception of the show, like that's something I've always been skeptical of, skeptical of because of Ryan's history. And like I knew that he was outsourcing. I know he's bringing in Jane and like a bunch of other like trans actors, trans writers, like people that are mm-hmm. actually in the community. Um, but like even in that, like I was curious because I think he's still the showrunner. So yeah. it's like how much say, like how much will he like take from this and like still like use his own direction? I think he acknowledges that we live in such a call out culture that right. he wanted he to had make to. sure he that he, he was not going to be dragged mm-hmm. on Twitter. Yeah. I think but also I, making something that's appealing to an FX audience. Right. Yes. I think that's why like you said, like the dialogue. I think something has to be over explained. So yes. people exactly. Don't get it. exactly. <laughs> it has to be ballroom 101 right. for the first episode, right. for exactly. the intro episode. And that's the realization that I had to come to in watching the first episode. I definitely enjoyed it way more than I thought I was going to. Mm-hmm. And then like also with the lens of like, okay, well, there are people that are coming to this that do not have the context that you do. Right. Exactly. And so knowing that I was able to be a little bit more lenient and like, and then ultimately enjoy it as much as I did. I had a white woman. Um, come up to me an older white woman at the deadline party and she asked me did I watch this? she was fangirling over the show this woman had to be like 67 so it's people like that who right. probably appreciated Blanca's explanation mm-hmm. of the ballroom I thought it was also interesting just optics uh, 
because like I said, I watched it three times and I kind of took mental note. Um, it was very, very hard for me to watch the 17 year old who, and we're giving spoilers because at this point, listen, the show came out Keep Sunday. Keep up, honey. It's now Friday morning. And you all, if you didn't watch, if you haven't watched it by now, then whatever. Also, you can download it for your iPhone for free. Which You can, and the FX app. Yeah. But uh, really? when free? his oh. parents put him out, mm. that was a hard scene to watch because I, while I did not go through that, when I was in high school, I knew plenty of people who were like, my grandma read my diary, found out I was a lesbian, kicked me out type thing. But I noticed that if you notice in the background of that scene, when his neighbors are on the street and watching the family and all of that, it says dead end. And I wondered if that was like strategic because he then up and went to New York city. And then also after Stan kisses angel, in the car and he goes and home and teeth. brushes his teeth. Mm-hmm. The bedspread of he and his wife's bedspread are the trans flag colors. Really? So I was like, I wonder if that was it. Like I, I was hmm. paying attention to detail. That it's probably literally was. the trans flag I would on their definitely, bed sheet. I, I would go so far as to say that was probably intentional just because a lot of things, like that's the culture of the internet now, right? Like finding those Easter eggs yeah. and like adding to the experience that's of Easter watching egg. a show for that purpose. Like yes. you being able to pick those things out and like see that like makes it like a much more enriching experience. Right. And as someone who has produced something, everything is intentional. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> everything. Yeah, but that, though, I couldn't take when his dad was like whooping him. I couldn't. I couldn't. Yeah. Like that whole storyline. I wasn't that and when she said that if you love me, then you would stop your wicked ways or whatever she said. Yeah. You like, would why repent, is it you about would go before you? Him like that was also repent. another one that was like overly but, written. But the dad's part was over yeah. when he walked in with the magazine. I feel like both of those were examples of how toxic masculinity and Jesus is weaponized within our own community. Yep. Because that's mm-hmm. typically how it goes. Yep. Your dad will go ballistic on you from a from a a, a uh, cis heteronormative masculine standpoint, and typically the women, the black women in your yeah. family, will weaponize Jesus because the mom yeah. was covering for not covering, but kind of persuading the dad to let him do the dance class, let him do this, right. let him do that. But and you so, brought filth into my home, uh-huh. right? I loved how the porn magazine was, was a the, white guy because it spoke to the representation of the late eighties. Yep. How there wasn't a lot of black gay content mm-hmm. yep. to consume as far His as pornography. His armpit looked weird too. His what? His armpit. I like too pay attention to armpits. I did. <laughs> what the the dancer's armpit looked? No, like? the white man on the on cover the of the, ca- magazine. the magazine. Oh, honey, that <laughs> that magazine was a glance. How did you even catch that? I was bizarre. Though. You got to be quick. You know, I, I the trans flag. I didn't care. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I thought that that was very. Uh, just as someone, you know, we all grew up in different ways, but we're all a part of the community. And prior to me transitioning, there was a lot of resistance. Every every um, example or every, I guess, little like breadcrumb of femininity that I yeah. displayed, my dad was showing out. Yep. Like showing out and trying to overcompensate and putting mm-hmm. me in sports. And not mm-hmm. even the, everything that I was interested in was hyper feminine. I was interested in orchestra. I was I grew up in music. So I was interested but grew up on the choir side. But I was interested in orchestra. I wanted to do martial arts and my dad wanted to keep it very rigid and boxed and baseball and basketball, you know, things like things that I did not want to do. Right. I would go hide. It was a lot. So it it brought up a lot. My dad, I can't recall a time of him ever um whooping me for being myself but i remember the days of blasting destiny's child singles and stuff independent women acapella and him barging in my room and damn near breaking the cd 
instead of just asking me to turn it down like because he you know parents will recognize things so certain parallels in everyone's story yes i was able to clock and i think we all were able to or we know people who share in those stories it was it was just such a nuance my mother i remember when she found my high school well i guess we'll shave the story for later yeah, I'll save it for later. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay, fair enough. So yeah, Pose was great. If you haven't checked it out, check it out. I'm so excited for episode two. I'm so excited to see where this takes us. I'm really nervous about episode six. I keep hearing things from about episode six. It's going to air in July. It's supposed Ooh. to shift all of our wigs. Okay. So I feel like it's going to be something like sad Good job, everyone. or crazy. Or, oh, but so yeah, check out Pose. So many great points and i loved how the director of dance had the yanla van zant kinky, kinky mm-hmm. twist as people were saying yanla had the assistant principal hairstyle right. and, and that sure aunt viv enough, the clerk at the new school she was very yes the very hug good. at the end of his dance routine oh my god with the tears oh yes and that, the dance routine in itself i was just it was just so like there's so many good talking points from this show, that but white I don't man make it the him. whole show <laughs> <laughs> what did Jay say? I said that white man wanted him. Um, the guy who worked for the school, whenever he grabbed his face. Oh, I don't remember that. During Look, the dance scene. Know, it was like three judges. The black lady, the white yes, woman, and the yes, white man. I don't remember that. I, I think watched I was it twice with, and I noticed oh, that Oh, shout shit. out to Pray Tell. He's one of my favorites. Yes, absolutely. Which one's Pray Tell? They took so... The commentator. Yeah. Oh, yes. They took so much good. directly from Paris is Burning. Yeah. And it's like, I, I get that that's the source material, but like you said, I'm really excited to and see... And shout out to them bringing the, the HIV AIDS storyline and... Just everything was just so. It's I, I should have taken notes because I'm about to spontaneously come, but I'm just thinking about everything <laughs> as it's surfacing. But shout out to Pray Tell. I loved Pray Tell. I love the whole cast. And yeah. most of all, shout out to Angelica Ross, who was on our show earlier this year, who plays Candy. Now, we haven't really, they haven't really explored her character yet, but we know that she is shady because she's the one who said, uh, called Blanca a cross dresser. Mm-hmm. Fix oh, me something right. to eat. A okay. bitch is hungry. And she had the first line of the show. Yes. Mm-hmm. Shout out to and Angelica. I love the way they stormed to the museum. I'm yep. sorry, I'm thinking about sure all the stuff oh, and yeah, the way they got arrested. Did. I got my life <gasps> off of all of that. The way they got arrested was a moment. <laughs> was a her, moment. She walked yep. Right. Away. She took a second to uh, realize, like, mm, all right, <laughs> wrists up and walk. And that, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> is how you do a ball. Yeah. Let's move on. So, you know me and men's health. Um, so, today the article that caught my eye was, do you masturbate too much? And so, they had four reasons or four um, indicators for those who may be masturbating so much. And the first one is, do you hurt yourself? Which this actually kind of what? made me laugh. Yikes. Yeah, well, because do you guys know that there is a disease? It's called Peyronie's disease, and it's development of fibrous scar tissue along the penis that causes curved, painful erections. Penises vary in shape and size, and having a curved erection isn't necessarily a cause for concern. Um, but it is causing so basically you get scar tissue and stuff around your penis from jacking off too much and it curves. That has an actual when di- that happen from sex too much sexual activity too that too. Um, which I feel like maybe you might have a tighter grip when you're well, masturbating. Lube. Well, yeah, when you're masturbating, yeah. Well, <sighs> then like actual like then intercourse. And Should does I it matter if you're story? dry masturbating versus if you're yes. using some questions some that type need answers? Because okay, this may be TMI, but whatever. We're here. Um, <laughs> so sometimes I have sensitive skin on my own penis, and I remember at one point, like I would get when I was having a lot of sex at <laughs> time in my life. 
um, I would kind of like get rubbed. And so my doctor was like, what the hell are you doing? I'm like, I'm just having a lot of sex. He's like, you need to use better lube. So wet platinum is what great. you would get rubbed? Like, like rub- my, the skin. Like, like it would like. Like kind of like blood burn. Yeah. yeah. It gets sensitive. Like, like the skin was raw. Skin. Yeah, yeah. And so if wow, you're over here. <laughs> it was you see, a, I'm clamping my tongue. I was in a relationship <laughs> at the time. Um, but I remember my doctor saying, like, you need to use, like, better lube. Blah, 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 blah. I was like, all right, cool. Because water-based lube do, doesn't really do no. it for me. It dries up too quickly. No. So I usually, usually do, like, a silicone base. So mm-hmm. wet platinum is my favorite. Gun oil is pretty good as well. Um, but I did not know that it was actual a medical condition <laughs> for actual scars that curve your penis because you have so many. Yeah, um, Also, your job suffers. That's any addiction that you have. Um, your sex life suffer- suffers. And that's if you are paying attention to... Um, your body kind of reacts to your hand and you can't function mm-hmm. with regular people anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and then always thinking about it. If you wake up with masturbating on your mind 24 seven, you may have a cause for concern. These are medical. This is you a, need to meditate a doctor. Your head. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, Kate Spates committed suicide this week. Yeah. Money and everything. She yeah. left behind a, um, suicide note addressed to her daughter mm. i don't want to get into too much detail 13. her housekeeper found her her husband was home at the time and they haven't released a note have they no the i think they've released ex- excerpts from the note gotcha. i know it would, in the, the note to her daughter the portion to her daughter was like this isn't your fault but there was yeah. a line and in there that troubled me like ask daddy mm-hmm. she also wrote something to her sister i did not know that kate spade and david spade were related i didn't know, I didn't either. know that either i That's, didn't connect those what? dots until she yeah, was, i think david he's her brother-in-law spade is a brother-in-law so david spade's brother oh, mary kate. kate gotcha okay yeah so you never know what people are going through and you know it's important that we just treat people the way that we want to be treated and check in on your friends and family yeah. Because you never know. And if you want anonymous help, call the suicide hotline as well. I was going to say, it was nice to see, like, people's stories about, like, what a Kate Spade bag meant to them. Yeah, Mm because for a lot of, especially a lot of black girls, that was Mm -hmm. their first bag. You either got Kate Spade or Coach. Yeah. yeah. And And when you got a little older, it was Dooney and Burke with the DBs on. Oh, I remember Dooney and Burke. Yeah, that that was was a lot of people's first. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, Also, (laughs) did you all hear about... uh, I don't want to talk about that. No, I'm going to skip over that. Um, so did you all hear about these eighth graders in New England mm. being gifted with bulletproof vests as their welcome to high school gift? Oh, my God. And this is a school that gifted what? them? Yes. So what happened was uh, members of the outgoing eighth grade class at St. Cornelius Catholic School in Chatsford, Pennsylvania, each received a graduation gift that reflects the troubled times, a bu- bulletproof shields for their backpacks. Unequal Technologies, which is a sportswear company based in nearby in a nearby Philly suburb, donated the 10 by 12 inch plates to each of the students as they prepared to break uh, before starting high school. The backpack plates, um, a new offering from a company known for its protective sportswear, and uh, it resists ammunition, including nine millimeter full jacket, full metal mm. jacket round, a 44 Magnum round, and a bird shot fired uh, from a 12 gauge shotgun. The company said they're about a quarter inch thick. They weigh 20 ounces, and also protect against shrapnel and knife attacks. So. When I read this, my initial thought was I would be begging and pleading 
for homeschooling. Absolutely. Because I cannot imagine the trauma of being a 13-year-old and whether it was in good faith as a joke or what, I cannot imagine walking across that stage. It's Shout like out to James Hart Jr. Like. Yeah, and it's it, to me it's reflective of this country and, and the state, the shitty state that we're in and how people are unwilling to budge. People are, are unwilling mm-hmm. to take gun reform seriously. We got people... Uh, giving teachers buckets of rocks in case right. there's <laughs> or right. little bats like there's to me it's just terrifying and I'm so glad I don't have a child in in school right now. Yeah, that that reminded me of like you said like begging my ch- my parent to have me in homeschool so I'm the deal with going to school. But it sounds like very like militant like here's your gun, here's your shield. Like what have we go turned to war. into? Like right. what? Like I am like what, I remember, 13, 14 years what old. What have when we graduate? turned into? I remember going through like metal detectors in school and like that was a big deal. Like in Texas? Yeah. Ooh. In certain schools, I was about to say in Chicago there are schools with metal detectors. Mine didn't have any. But uh <laughs> there are schools with metal detectors and that is a big deal. I went to visiting uh basketball games and yeah. stuff and have to go through the metal detectors wow. to get and then, the like gym. to be given a bulletproof vet. like no. But those are never the schools that anything happens to. Right. I mean, we always argue that the schools we all knew uh people in, in schools and not even if they weren't in dir- directly in our schools, cousins of ours that went to super hood schools and everybody's in rival gangs and knives and guns and nothing like that. This ever happens right. it's always white suburbia you know red state type stuff that this happens yeah. in. Like, it also kind of sounds like a pr gimmick gone wrong like this company wanted to get white publicity from donating these i could see things, that and it's just like no like that's this is disgusting yeah it's disgusting and i don't even know as a parent how i would react to that who approved you to give this to my child mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying um, also, really quickly before we jump into the corner, I wanted to acknowledge how 45 granted clemency uh, on Wednesday to Alice Marie Johnson, a first time nonviolent drug offender who was given a life sentence without parole. Mm-hmm. The 63 year old great grandmother, whose case has been spotlighted recently by Kimberly Kardashian West. Um, will be released from federal prison in Aliceville, Alabama, where she has been serving her sentence since 1996. News of Johnson's release comes a week after Kardashian West advocated for her in an Oval Office meeting with 45. So congratulations to her. You mm-hmm. know, what, regardless of the feelings that you may have about those Kardashians, <laughs> this, uh, is yeah. this is this is a oh, good thing. God, yeah. I was so disgusted with the tweets I saw today. This is the, this this is good. This is a good thing. Um, and last but not least, Miss America pageant is making some changes. No more swimsuit. No more evening gown. Really? Yeah. They they want to. They're making changes to reflect the culture today, and they think that swimsuit and evening gown is objectification. It's also not going to be named a pageant anymore. It's going to be named a competition. Um, and yeah, and you can wear clothes that are reflective of what make you feel comfortable and like your personal style. So I'm, congratulations I'm, to them. <laughs> I don't okay. think I've really watched that many Miss America pageants. They don't appeal to me. I feel like the idea of like the evening gown portion being gone, like I, like that's I, all, like I can see swimsuit being yeah. taken away, but evening gown. I feel like, like that's, they want people, or like evening attire. If it's you like, want to wear a tuxedo, then go ahead. Right, like, bitch, want, I want to be fab. Like right. I want to see you. <laughs> they I'm want not the a pageant woman, to so, be. So like I can't speak to these things, but like as a spectator, I think it's like I don't know. I mean, well, I am male. a woman, and yeah. I do enjoy right, looking like, at the, the gowns the and gowns. your fashion choices. But these the women Oscars. will be joined right. off of, they will be, uh, I said joined, they will be uh, judged off of their talent and their platform. And you all know Which that this is, is like yeah. for scholarships and stuff. So yeah. kudos to them. 
Let's move on to the LGBT corner. And now it's time for the LGBT corner. So this week's LGBT corner is going out to Los Angeles Pride. Do you plan on going? Anyone plan on going? Uh, I'm on the fence about it. I too am on the fence. I have friends that are coming in town this weekend. Oof. Um, Please, not for you just pride. made me want to throw up. Like, it's for like one of a <laughs> straight friend's birthday. I'm tired of people visiting LA. Like, <laughs> it wasn't for pride that I was going to throw. I was saying just when you just said you had people coming in town, oh, like, yeah. oh, I'm about to break out in hives. <laughs> no, they're visiting. And so, depending on what they want to do Saturday night, I may go out. But, like, short of that, I'm completely content staying at home this weekend. Yes. I'm, I'll only go if Pierre, who's hosting, if he can somehow finagle me Pee-pee. a pass. But, uh, yeah, so tickets are $30 a day, or you can buy a ticket for $40 for the weekend. That's not bad. To get all access backstage passes, they are 250 per day, or you can drop $400 for the weekend. And that includes a Saturday and Sunday night festival admission, exclusive backstage access to park stage, Two complimentary Sky Vodka cocktails and a complimentary afternoon meal. That's oh. with the backstage thing. They had that last year. I wasn't there, remember? You didn't go to Pride? Where were you? Mm-mm. I think I was out of town. Oh. You were there, weren't you? For Pride? No. I haven't been to Pride You weren't there when I interviewed. Did formation. So you weren't there <laughs> when I interviewed Brandy and stuff? <laughs> Michelet did formation on tour. You were there when I interviewed Brandy. No, I wasn't. You weren't? I was not. That was Kendall. Oh, well, I thought I knew Kendall was there, but I thought you were there too because we ate and everything. Like, we were fine. Um, but so, yeah, this year at overseas. Los Angeles Pride, Kelani and Tove Lowe are headlining. Also scheduled to perform are Eve. Yes, that Eve. Um, <laughs> Who's that girl? Iconopop, Carrie Hilson, Natalia... Jimenez, I know I messed that Jimenez. up. Superfruit, Kim Petras, Cece <sighs> Peniston, Kiki Wyatt, Tom and Collins, Leliki 47, Jessica Six, Leland, Charisma, Lauren Sanderson, Jess Love, Alex Kid, Madani, Lauren Ruth Ward, Gio Bravo, Laith Ashley, Saturn Rising, Alexis Mateo, Oscar Velasquez, Jesse St. John, Fedro, Calorie Carbashian Williams, Monique Hart, and Those are drag queens. Um, So, yeah, shout out to them. L.A. Pride starts now. By the time you guys hear this. Cece Peniston is the the only reason why I would go. And Laith Ashley sides. Oh. Okay. (laughs) I didn't know you were married. You know, we do our thing. I would go for, (laughs) I think Eve would be the reason that I went. I saw Eve at the TRL tour in 2001. The she tour, the Destiny's Child's first headlining tour. Um, <laughs> she was one of the opening acts, and uh, she did great. Loved it. Let me blow your mind. So, right? Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. And the Butterflies remix. Like, <laughs> I'll be here for an Eve show, actually. Yeah. Who's that girl? Uh, yeah. Love is blind. Mm-hmm. What if Faith And she has out? come up from a stripper in Philly to a billionaire's wife. She's more than a billionaire. I was about to say, she is more than a billionaire's wife. Don't try Eve. I'm not trying her. I'm congratulating her. And she did a lot in between that. She had a talk show, number one albums. Mm -hmm. She had a show which. I mean, a regular show. That was named Eve, but her character was Shelly. We like, we. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck. 
Even like, the theme song, I will Missy never Elliot. let this Evie go. E, how you do that? <laughs> like, I will never let that go. Her Her name was E. Shelly and JT. Her right. name was Shelly. What are we doing? <laughs> Shelly and JT. <laughs> Kelly Rowland guest starred on Eve. We talk about this all the time, and it's always like that, and then like they bring up the Cosby show. His name was Heathcliff Huxtable. Yeah. Right, on the Cosby show. Was the Cosby show. <laughs> At least stay in congruency. Like Martin was, not Martin Lawrence, but Martin Payne. Exactly. Uh, was it Jamie's Foxes? Jamie? Jamie, yeah. I can't remember Jamie. his last name, though, the character's it last name. I really wasn't a fan. <laughs> but anywho, um, so yeah, let's move on to the first topic. Yeah. So my topic, based on, this was inspired by Pose, and it was also inspired in in juxtaposition to Pose uh, with Magic Johnson wishing EJ, his son EJ, the sweetest, one of the sweetest birthday messages I've ever seen from father to son. So my question or topic to you all that I want to discuss is coming out stories. I also recently had someone on my timeline come out to their parents on June 1st. He had no idea, or he didn't, I shouldn't say he didn't have any idea, but he totally, it slipped his mind that June was Pride Month, which it can happen. June is also Black Music Month, Mm -hmm. hey. Um, And also June is just June to a lot of people. So, uh, (laughs) yes, so coming out stories, were you forced out? Were you outed? Did you come out on your own terms? And in what way do you think your life would be different if you would have waited to come out or if you would have come out earlier. So let's dish. Let's talk about it. Well, <laughs> you said what? I said who's going to start. I'll start. Um, so it's funny because a lot of people back when I, so let me tell you a story a little about Jace. So basically my first encounter with the guy, um, my high school found out after I was graduated and ended up my, so if you guys don't know, I went to a very small private Christian school. And my stepfather was a football coach on the on campus, even after I left, because I just have little brothers. And so we still don't know how or what happened, but what I was doing in college got back to my high school, which got back to home. And I remember um, my mother like calling me and just kind of asking me, not in a hateful way, but... And that's why I was going to bring it up earlier. Well, I'll save the story for later. But I remember her message or her delivery was more of like, I'm coming from a place of love. And at the time, I think I was dating a girl. Or I had, like, said, fuck, man, I'm going back to women. Um, So I had, I told her I was, I did mess around with a guy. And what she heard was accurate. And went through the whole, like, prayer thing. And, you know, forgive me, yada, yada, yada. But it wasn't soon after that that I started dating um, and sleeping with men again. And <laughs> <laughs> like we all do. And when I actually came out, I only came out to my close friends. And it was like my senior year of college because I was still dating, but it wasn't anybody's business. And I didn't feel like me bringing somebody around was going to do anything. So I was like, all right, I'll give my personal life, my personal life. Not that I was hiding anything. Like I would bring someone around, but it wasn't necessarily this is my man, this is my nigga, da da da. Um, so I told my close friends and then everyone else just kind of found out because if I brought someone around, oh, hey, this is my boyfriend. And they're just like, oh, okay, <laughs> we're going to just gonna accept this. Um, but I did tell my parents actually when I was living in New York around the time when I met you, Ryan, mm. and, um, I was coming home from New York and I remember calling my dad and be like, hey, I'm bringing home my boyfriend. And he was just like, all right, cool. Can't wait to meet him. 
Oh. And I was just like, what, did, so you, you, did never, you not hear me? You never officially came out to your father? You just said you're bringing home a boyfriend? Uh-huh. Hmm. I love that. Yeah, and he was just like, all right, cool, whatever. Like, he didn't, he'll, and I was kind of mad, too, because I was like, I've been Where's holding the reaction? this in yeah. me, right? Yeah. I was like, you're just so <laughs> nonchalant. I was like, what, did you hear me? And he was just like, yeah. yeah. See right. you next month. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, okay. I so, love it. shout out to Kevin. If you guys come to Cat 100 on Father's Day, he will be there. Um, and my mother was a little bit more difficult just because she is a pastor's wife. And I remember having. Did she to, weaponize Jesus? She weaponized Jesus, but I didn't let her get to the point because at that point I was 25 Rome, years old. Right. And so I was like, look, I'm paying for my own shit. You really, I'm not in the house like the, why the guy imposed was. And so I literally had to like tell her, like, all right, you need to digest this because this is not new to me. Right. This is new to you, but and it's not I, new I, to me. And I argue feelings. it's not new to her. Honestly. I always say a I mother mean, knows their child. You could argue that, but she wasn't having it. Yeah. And so pretty much I told her like until she's over it cuz she was asking me a lot of questions that were very like problematic and condescending and I just had to tell her to stop until she got over it. And she did v- rather quickly. And so and now she's you know a whole another level. She's doing hormones for like trans patients and all that stuff. So she's doing like really good, but for her I think it took her a while to kind of digest. Um I do rem- no, I'm not going to bring that up. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that was pretty much my coming out story. And now, I mean, my outness is all over the fucking internet. So, I mean, all I have to do is Google my name and can figure out who I'm dipping and doing or that I am dipping, dipping and doing. doing. Yeah. <laughs> but not who they are. Shout out to Bay. Okay. Um, yeah. Bay, wait a minute. All right. Your turn, Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> um, I came out to my mom and my dad at separate times. Uh, they've never been like together. It was like, okay. Was, like, yeah. So. My mom, I remember I had went home. This is like my sophomore year of college. Mind you, like I had had whole boyfriends at this point. Like I went home, like my mom was going through some things. My family was going through some things. And it's so crazy. Like I knew prior to going home for Thanksgiving that I wanted to tell her when I went home for Thanksgiving. And so like I had this work out in my you? mind. Uh, 19. Okay. And I had to like work out in my mind exactly how I was going to go. Um, so we lived in a suburb outside of Dallas at the time. Um Forney, really, really small. Forney, Texas. I've never heard of Forney as many times as I've been to Dallas. That's how small it is. What goes down on Forney? Nathan. Something, though. So so I was like, all right, we're going. I know, because they just built a Starbucks and they just built a movie theater and they just built a Walmart. I was like, we're going to sit at Starbucks. We're going to have our little heart to heart and that's what I'm going to tell you. How very master of none of you. Right. (laughs) (laughs) So we we get there and it was just like a venting session. Like she was just like really like unloading. And it was like the first time that we had like an adult conversation. It was like mother and son. Mm -hmm. So how did you go about telling her? So. Like in her like wrapping up her story, I was like, okay. Oh, so okay. Let me let Wait, me get this clear. Story. So she sat down. You guys went there. You went with the intention of telling her, yes. but when she got, she had some stuff to get off her chest. Yes. So she ended up venting to you first. Exactly. Got you. I was and like so, her story. Okay. No. So like, in that, I was like, wow. Like she's really like opening up and like sharing like these really. So now here's my turn. Like like it's double like, dutch. Right. It's like, <laughs> I, and I can't like I can't let her do that and like then me not share like something that's right, like right. so important to me. And so, like, we were sitting there, so she was like, all right, so, you know, I've gotten that out of the way, like... Well, you're at Walmart or Starbucks? Starbucks. Okay. She was like, how, like, how are things going with you? How's school? Like, what's going on? Like, catch me up. And I was like, all right. Uh, so, the reason why I'm able to, like, you know, give you, like, a perspective on these things that you share with me is because, like, I've been kind of dating. So, she's like, okay, okay. So, I was like, uh, his name is, and I said his name. She was like, oh, 
okay. <laughs> All right. A Texas mother. And like up until then, like, I was kind of like stuttering. She was like, Ryan, like just get it out. Like just whatever you have to say, just get it Aww. out. Like I'm going to love you no matter what you have to say. Like just get it. Like, Do so you think she, she knew before Oh, absolutely. You, I'm gonna I, always, I always argue that because my, and I have friends who are not out to their parents. Mm-hmm. But, you know, not to dip too much in their sauce. I tell your mom probably knows. Certainly. Your dad might be running away from it, but your mother, a mother knows. That's what my mom always told. I grew up with my mom always saying, and this is so country, but she always said, don't you know I know you better than the back of my hand? And that's it. That's what she told me every time. That's really Every time yeah. I tried to lie everything. Don't you know you came from me? You lived in me you for can. nine months. You, you can't lie to me. <laughs> you I'm an adult. I see everything you do, every move you make. Yeah. I know you better than the back of my damn hand. And it was so, a mother always knows can be true but I think a mother also could be in denial where she like will mentally well yeah block. absolutely I'm not saying that she won't be in denial yeah. knowing doesn't mean acceptance right but knowing is knowing that's fact right so my question to both mm-hmm. of you is in what ways do you think your life would have changed if you might have come out earlier instead of at 19 and at 25 <laughs> or if you would have waited I went through a lot of being black raised in the south and in like a very, very, very Christian environment, Christian mm-hmm. conservative, and like we were really sheltered. I grew up with like a lot of like internalized like homophobia and yeah. racism, mm-hmm. and yeah. it's like I just remember like my default was like white gay men. It was like that was who I wanted to date. That's who I was interested in. Like I remember representation. Actively, that's what that's what I it didn't was. Have it. Right, and it's like at the time this was like right when, and it was so funny that you guys had Daryl Lowen. It was like this is around the time that like. Noah's Ark was like just now coming into prominence. And if you dated white guys, then that's not going to be in direct proximity to your immediate community. Exactly. A black guy runs too much of a risk. Yep. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Like there's like a white there's guy, the likelihood that's, of like that's the outskirts. Exactly. Yeah. That's yeah, yeah. dating outside of your town. Yes. So outside um, of phony. Right. So in that, like I remember moving away to school and like going to like my first gay club, going to my first. Did ball. you go to school in Texas? No, I went to school in Rhode Island. Okay, wow, you were far. I, I thought I was far. It was like you were far. How do I get out of Texas? <laughs> <laughs> Clearly, like that was you the went. smallest that was state. The goal. That okay, was the goal. Um, but I remember like experiencing those things for the first time. And like I remember, like actively saying, like I'm not into black guys, and like thinking about that now, it's just like, what the fuck, Ryan? Like, what are you even talking about? We all grow from somewhere. We all grow from somewhere. Because like I had, like I had not seen any black gays. I had not experienced like what that culture and community was like. And so like I was going. And Dallas has a huge black gay. I had no idea. I remember it wasn't <laughs> the until brick. Like, what? It, it wasn't until like junior year of college that like I found out that there was like a black gay pride in Dallas. Yeah. And oh, I was yes. like, oh, bitch. And it gets pretty interesting. It gets like I love it. Oh, are you frequent? I don't frequent any pride. Mm-hmm. Don't start there, but I've been. <laughs> Dallas is fun. Yes. Um, but I think that had I came out earlier, um, because both my parents were like really, really accepting. My dad was actually mad that I didn't tell him sooner because like he really? wanted to take me out and like sh- show me things. Like That's he has nice. gay friends like that I had, had no idea about. But he was yeah. like, I didn't that want to. That would have been very powerful. That's, it's like I didn't want to force age. that on you. I wanted you to come to me when you were ready. I like your I parents like, a lot. Oh, my God. Yeah. But I think had I come out earlier, then I would have arrived at the place I'm at now sooner. And I would have been less problematic as a young Ryan. Got you. What about you, Jace? I probably would have been in a mental hospital. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't, I think the time that I was able to be vocal and public about my sexuality was the right time because prior to that, I don't think I necessarily had, I was always the popular kid in high school i was a popular kid in college and a lot of i knew that kind of would have altered my reputation mm. 
um, whether people oh, knew sure. what I was doing or not. Um, for me, it was the opposite. And I don't think I, the what? For me, it was the opposite. I mean, it depends on how you go about it, because I was very popular. Yeah. And I came out, oh, I, we'll, we'll, we'll get to you. Yeah, I, I don't think I had the self-esteem gotcha. to handle Fair. all that came. Yeah. And the microscope, because yeah. there's a microscope yeah. when you. And there's always a microscope out. on me, but I think adding that would have totally especially with my family being in the church like i don't think i would have been because i'm still dealing with stuff to this day as a 30 year old man about me being black and gay and things that i had to deal with in the church as a young man being in the first family of a church that i am still trying to process and dissect Mm -hmm. so i don't think as a 16 17 year old 18 year old boy even having the vernacular to be like okay i am gay i don't think i would have been able to mentally handle that yeah. At the time. And I'd, I'm kind of scared to even say where I would be. Because I think at the age of 25, I was developed enough as a person to combat and argue. and Like you had your talking points. Yeah. And typically when you come and, out. But mentally too. It's, it's like, just like that's the end of the road. It's I like have, you're I mean, Yeah. Because I, I could have all the talking points when I was like younger. But I don't think. But to have the mental yeah. stability behind that to back that and actually believe what I'm saying. Yeah. I didn't have that. Got and I so. Mean, my mom raised us because, like, she, again, like, South, Southern, Christian, Black, like, mm-hmm. really, um, really, like, sheltered. And, like, she raised us, like, not wanting us to suffer from the same things that she did. So, mm-hmm. like, not being able to, like, talk to her mom and dad, not being able to, like, you know, mm-hmm. say certain things around family because of, like, that's how you're raised as a child. But, like, she wanted us to not be that. So mm-hmm. I think that's what kind of, like... I feel like you always get one or the other. Yeah. Like you either get, get a parent like that or you get a parent who repeats history because yeah. that's all they know. Yeah. Um, for me, I, ooh, if I would have come out sooner, I came out at 14, maybe 15. Um, I came out my freshman year of high school. Um, and from there, I was fortunate enough to go to a high school that had great like social services programs because mm. that's how I was aware of a lot of stories because we used to have meetings uh, gay straight alliance and even just pulling lgbt people in a room for like a period or having lunch we would have meetings and you know you get a little hall pass you get to miss you know english that day or whatever <laughs> and we would just talk shout out to mr schwaller he was like the school uh psychologist or whatever and uh, miss hudak and there were so many people great uh affirmative team around lgbt people at homewood flossmore high school um and so <laughs> For me, I came out because I felt like I was suffocating. I had a a sexual experience with a guy the summer going into my freshman year. I was 14. (laughs) And, uh, oh, yes, Char was Speedy Gonzalez. I mean, I was was doing what I wanted to do. I mean, fuck. The fuck? I was responsible. But um, so, yeah, and I remember I was so dramatic. I vomited. I vomited. I was telling my mom, and I threw up. And my mom kind of looked at me and she just was kind of like, what do you want for dinner? <laughs> like, you know, like all the, dr- mm-hmm. I mean, I was always dramatic, but uh, I, ca- I honestly cannot remember actually formally coming out to my father. And I, I, and I always say this, I know I've said this on this show plenty of times. I have, I came out twice. So I came out gay at first because that is what the world around me told me that I was. Mm-hmm. And people were honestly beating that over my head. It was almost like I didn't have a choice. Like I was on the verge of just, People were so hell-bent on putting me in a box instead of letting me as a 13, 14-year-old just exist. Mm -hmm. But I was very hyper-feminine. I did my eyebrows. 
a thing when I was in fourth grade because I wanted to look like Victoria Beckham. Um, I got <laughs> the first whooping that I ever can remember is my dad. He caught me dancing to In Vogue, giving him something he can feel. Mind you, I didn't know the context of the song at the time. I knew that I wanted to be a member of In Vogue. Oh, right. Get I knew that I wanted to. Because get into In Vogue. Hello. Right. Sexy, the yep. gloves, the dresses, that video. I was like white. five. Yes, and that video just did something to Same. me. Um, Shaka Khan and Rufus, Tell Me Something Good. These were karaoke, like, little performance songs. That, mm-hmm. And so I always just gravitated towards a lot of female culture, um, a lot of female music, a lot, well, I'll say woman, because I hate when people say female. Um, but I did like equal parts. Like, I was with my father at the barbershop getting haircuts, but I'd also go to the salon with my mom. But I loved the salon. I got my first boombox at the salon. Uh, the, 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 Helen, who was my mom's hairdresser, gave me the boombox, gifted me with Lauren Hill, the miseducation. Like, I have so many defining moments. Anthony, the, the gay guy in the salon, funny. I didn't look at him. The, what people need to realize about children is... I knew Anthony was different, but when I looked at Anthony, I didn't picture anything sexual. Right. Mm-hmm. Anthony was just one of the girls. Right. right. I didn't picture Anthony chewing. Like, kids are so innocent, and I, right. want, I want to emphasize that, like, people, as adults, people impose uh, uh, all of these things that children haven't even been exposed to, all of these ideas onto children, and it's a disservice to you and the child, right. because, mm-hmm. like I said, I was... people associate gay, lesbian with, with sex. With nothing more than sex. <laughs> right. And Anthony was clearly gay okay finger popping lip smacking but I never was like oh I bet he sucks a lot of dick <laughs> like you know um, and so uh, so yeah just to breeze this on by so I came out as gay and then um, with each year I was exploring more and more gender non-conformity like I was not interested even as a child I always say I did not want to wear suits like on Easter I always wore vests because those were a little bit more feminine to me I didn't know that at the time but I just knew that I didn't want to look right, like a right, damn right, man yeah. I remember on my 12th birthday looking in the mirror and being shook because I I think like two can play that game or one of those movies were out and I wanted to be Vivica. I wanted to be rolling with Vivica and Monique and Tamala. I didn't want to be rolling with Anthony Anderson and (laughs) and Morris Chestnut. That that was not a reflection of who I was. And so uh, it wasn't until I saw women like myself. It was Janet Mock, Angelica Ross, because examples of trans women were jokes and caricatures in the media. We were on Jerry Springer. We were prostitutes Mm -hmm, you couldn't mm -hmm. do anything i was petrified of not passing that was my big thing like oh my gosh i can't even visualize what i'm going to look like if i go about doing this so it it prolonged a lot of uh of my transition for me because i didn't have the language and i was scared i didn't know a starting point i didn't know of any resources i also didn't think to ask because i was scared Mm -hmm. and i was still popular prior to transitioning i was popular but you know when you transition I couldn't imagine transitioning in high school. Honestly, I couldn't. Even though in my mind, if I could go back, and I know you can't buy back time, so you got to work with what you got, I probably would have started transitioning around 17. Mm. I think I would have been able to handle it. But I was fortunate that I had parents, especially my mother, who uh, supported me. Mm -hmm. Everyone knew my mom is a take-no-shit type of woman so her sisters who would try to pull her to the side and criticize criticize me or her parent or her parenting skills they knew not to do that you were better off gossiping with someone else behind my mom's back than trying to call my mom to the carpet about well how are you raising so and so because my mom will will light your ass up Mm -hmm. because you mind your business because you don't you don't contribute to my household you know um and so my father 
is a different kind of case. My father was a little bit more resistant. And I'm not saying that my mom was like all rah-rah team Char. It was a transition for everyone. That's what I always right, tell right. people. When, when, when trans people enter the family, it is a transition for everyone. But also, don't be so selfish that you make it about you and not about the person undergoing the transition because the person right. undergoing the transition needs That's a all bigger of your transition. support. Right. <laughs> and they need all of your support. Right. Um, and so it wasn't until 25 that I transition what well, I came out about transitioning and that one was a little bit more difficult because I think people had you know it's okay if you just like no matter even how feminine you are it's okay if you just gay but transitioning means like I said a whole transition for everyone a new name and people try to make it so dramatic like I'm not dead I'm still the same person you know mm-hmm. it's this big thing and so I had one sister I have two sisters one sister was a little bit resistant to the idea and the other was all for it um my mom freaked me out i wrote both my parents an email cc'd them on the same email because i couldn't find the words i couldn't imagine telling them so i wrote them an email a a very well worded email and uh i didn't get a response and then my mom responded my mom came home that day and just was acting like everything was normal. <laughs> and my mom checks her emails like Chris Jenner checks her email. Like I my know mom was right. on the emails. I know that she saw it. You know that she saw it. I know that she saw it. And I was tortured. I was walking on eggshells that whole night. The next morning I woke up and I had an email from her. <laughs> so clearly mama. she needed some time in her room <laughs> Shout out to, mama. To, to comb through some stuff. Um, and I wish I should have pulled it up, but I haven't the looked email. At, yeah, I oh, haven't wow. looked at that email since it was sent, and it was just basically <laughs> like, like you're my child. I will still love you. Like this is gonna take some time for me. I'm letting you know, but you know, yada yada yada. Um, my father didn't say anything. He wanted to talk to me in person, and I was avoiding him because <laughs> <laughs> I didn't. Want, I didn't know what he was gonna say, but for the most part, uh, it took I want to say about a year. And I think what helped my immediate family was my extended family because my cousins and aunts mm-hmm, and uncles, a lot mm-hmm. of them were so receptive. Yeah. Um, and I'm talking I about think like it's easier for them to. Well, yeah. Them, I'm, I'm talking yeah. about like hyper masculine cousins yeah. and uncles, like Omega Sci Fi nigga. Like yeah. they like, yeah, sure, that's what's up. You know, like my cousins. Mm-hmm. And so I think that helped soften the blow for my immediate family. Yeah. And so. Um, yeah, had I come out sooner, I think that, uh, I always comb through my mind when I look at young trans women, up and coming trans women, uh, and how sickening they look, but it's not about the look. I don't think that I would have mentally been able to navigate because I struggle now dating and, and guys being interested in me and me trying to curve them and, and disclosure. You all know that listening that I still battle with disclosure. I don't think that 16 year old me would have been able to handle that. I don't even think 21 year old me would have been able to handle that. So everything happens in its due time. But, uh, yeah, those were my coming out stories. We'd love to hear you also. Make sure you uh, tweet us your stories. And yeah, it was just, it was an interesting yeah. ride. One common denominator I think we all touched upon was our parents. And yeah. I think that's huge for, because even now, like, I really don't care what my peers have to say about me. But one thing that I was always worried about what my parents Same. would Well, that's think what Blanca say. says in the, in, in Pose, mm-hmm, when she right. shares her story when they're at the at diner. The diner. Yeah. And mm-hmm. she said that, that that's a void. Like, I could not imagine if what happened to the male character would have happened to me. Yep. And that happened to people that I knew, like mm-hmm. I like I Same. mentioned, and people that I went to school with. I could not imagine even beginning to try to process that as a 17-year-old. And it's like, what do you do at that age? Like, what do you, me, where do you go? Like, I remember, like, struggling the first time I moved to New York, and I was 
24, 25. Mm-hmm. Like, imagine, like, being 17, not being able to, like, work, or, like, mm. not being able to work to the, to the degree that I was at 24, 25, mm-hmm. and, like, t- trying to figure all of that out. No internet. You're underage. Like, not you to get your parents' signature. Huh? You're underage at 17. Right, exactly. Yeah. It's like, you still they need them care. for things. Yeah. His father told him, you're dead to me. Mm-hmm. And we hear these stories all the time. We've even seen crazy things where people have murdered their children. You know, um... Mm-hmm. And recently, so, recently. Yeah. And I think also in the times back when we were, because we're all the same age, generally. We're all 30 year old Capricorns. Oh, yeah. Because you're, you're like too? nine days after you were me. the second. No, I'm, no, you're before me. I'm the 11th, and you are the 20th. 20th. That's yeah. the same day as Amaya Scott and Mary J. Blige. It is. January 11th. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Um, but yeah, the time that we were born in was an interesting yes. one compared to now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think Absolutely. now there's a lot more material and visibility that's out there in the media. But especially like being black. If for we were us, 30, 30 years ago, if we were 30 and 88, this would be a different story. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And that's a lot of times like why our elders who are in their 30s, yeah. 40s, 50s are just not coming out because they didn't have that right. safe space. And even the, the socialization of it. Like mm-hmm. my mom always, uh, well, I shouldn't say always, but she shared an intimate story with me about how she lost a lot of coworkers to the HIV AIDS when mm-hmm. that epidemic first hit. So my mom, it's interesting, like she's supportive. She's always been quote unquote a hag of sorts. Uh, <laughs> Come on, especially mama. when she was younger. Oh my God. College, Sharon, are you kidding me? But, uh, but yeah, so it's it's interesting and it makes me wonder like navigating things like if I were to have a child in these conversations, I think I'd be a little bit more sensitive to it. But my mom is a lot like your mom, Ryan, in that she wanted to because there was a certain protocol in the South. Right. My mom's yep. from the South as well. And like there's certain things that I remember asking my mom and she'd be like, baby, we didn't ask our parents that. Right. Like innocent questions like, well, how, were, how do your cousins and your aunts? She's like, yeah, that was my dad's, you know, aunt. But I don't know much about. We didn't ask that. that right. Those are not the conversations we had mm-hmm. with our parents. And like, and I was, can imagine that because I was so curious and I wanted to know everything about her familiar, her exactly. familiar structure and my dad's and things like that. But it, it was just a so a different social. And even in her saying they didn't do that, she was still supportive of you doing that. Like, yes. still nurturing of your curiosity. Oh, I was a very inquisitive. Exactly. Child, like, and that's oh, what sure. I love. Like, my mom created that space for us to. Like, there were times where, like, we would talk back and, like, I know that she would, like, bite her tongue and, like, give us the real estate mm-hmm. to do it just because, like, she was investing in our ability to develop a voice. Yes. And my family, I even joke around, and my family extended always says I was so matter of fact. Mm-hmm. And so I think that my Still coming am. out, my coming out was, like, they knew it was going to hit, like, the Hulk hammer. And my mother That's knew that, is- that there was nothing that she could do. Mm-hmm. She knew that when this day came, when my baby decided to tell me that she is X, Y, or Z. That's there the is literally nothing. Right. If I disown her, that ain't going to stop her That's from living her life. I'm so glad you brought this up. She is a speeding bullet. So I'm dating someone, and I just took him <laughs> home. Oh. Uh, Whoa. <laughs> I just parents? took him home. Not to my parents, but to my family. Mm-hmm. He's already met my parents. Um, but, like, it's it's so funny because like, it's exactly news. that. Like, my family is of the understanding that, like, if Ryan is going to do something, Ryan's going to do something. There's and no manipulation. That's really There's it. no control. Persuasion. Get on board. This was even me. Like I said, as a child, yep. there was no, like I've always 
once I got my eye on it, that's it's it. on it. That's it. And so they they knew that. And my dad, I think that's what he feared. Yeah. Because I was hyper femme and I got my, I shouldn't say I got my way, but I was, I was headstrong and I was a reader in both contexts. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, mm-hmm. I wouldn't read my parents, but with reading so many books, I was exposed to asking the questions. I challenged them a lot, which was sometimes di- disrespectful, but yep. I wanted to know why. You don't yep. owe me an explanation because I was told that. I'm your mother. I don't owe you an explanation. Yep. But I was, they knew. My personality has not changed. Yeah. Um, and I'd venture to say I was a little bit more confident yes. when I was younger. Same. Um, I'm like down and back in like yes. becoming Absolutely. an adult, learning tact, learning yes. appropriateness. Yes. But like as a kid, it was like, all right, so we're gonna get to this right now. Yep. What's up? Mm-hmm. Bang the gavel. Yeah. So yes, that is that's always interesting. I love hearing those stories. And like I said, if you all have any coming out stories that you want to share, um, be sure to include the hashtag KT Radio because I love hearing um um, the, the coming out stories. And it's June, it's Pride Month. We should celebrate it. Yeah. And you may be a light in someone's tunnel by sharing your story. Absolutely. So, Absolutely. yeah, let's move on. So, my topic is cutting off your hose. So, there comes a time <laughs> in... <laughs> there comes a time in dating somebody new where you get a text message. Hey, big head, you up? Those types of things. We all know them. Um, or someone sliding your DM. Someone who's used to uh, you being available. Um, how do you cut off your hose? And on top of that, when do you? Because if you're dating somebody and you're not official yet, do you feel like you should do it early if you like the person enough? Um, and also on the other end, do you expect someone that you are dating to cut off all types of people that they have been um engaging with that's a really interesting question uh, <laughs> <laughs> so a little bit of context before my current situation i was dating for like non-traditional like relationships so poly or like non-traditional monogamy really? like some something outside of like traditional monogamy. i gotta stop you what is non-traditional monogamy so how is that defined <sighs> I don't even think the actual term is non-traditional monogamy, but like non-traditional relationship dynamics. Like I'm committed to these people, or gotcha. I'm committed to this situation, and gotcha. it does not look like a single or a dual person relationship. Gotcha. Um, so that's what I was. That's the direction I was dating, mm-hmm. and then this person that I'm with now, we have like a long history. He's like my first serious boyfriend um, ever. Yeah. Wow. Like I, I moved away to college with the express intent on hoeing. And within mm-hmm. a month, I had a boyfriend. And I was like, well, <laughs> we should have a boyfriend. that's trash. I just hoed the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so in us getting in us getting back together and like being serious, it was like I, he's he's significantly more conservative than I am. Mm-hmm. And so he's but he's also the one person that I would be traditionally monogamous with. OK. But he also knew how I was dating prior to us getting together. And so like that was like a conversation point of like, what does this look like for us? Me knowing where you are him knowing where I was. Um, but to bring it back is, that's one of the things, like, I date my friends. People that I have sex with, people like I date, people that I'm relationship, relationships with are typically people like I've known and established relationships with. So it's mm. different getting into, like, a relationship with someone that is not a part of that circle or someone that you have history with aside from these people that you've now established relationships with and then explaining to them, all right, well... Yes, I've had sex with this person, but like I'm also not cutting them out of my life because right, we are together right. now. Um, and I think the important thing, like we always stress, like how important 
communication is. But like, it's not just communicating how you feel or communicating where you at. It's communicating why you're there and how you arrive there. Now, do you tell them up front, like, hey, this is my friend. Yes, we have had sex in the past, but... Or do you just kind of, like, let it come out when it needs to? I t- That's a dangerous game. It is. Mm-hmm. I I disclose, for lack of a better word, when it is appropriate. Okay. I will not have you out here looking stupid. So we're not going right. to be at a party, and then, like, all of a sudden, somebody's talking about... That's why I had a... Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, that will never be a situation. Mm-hmm. But, like, I'm also not just going to, like, run down, like, my call log and be like, oh, I had to... So you, when right. you say friends, you really mean, like, friends. Yeah. Wow. Absolutely. Yeah. Because it's like... I don't think I could do that. Do what? Do that as a... Like, like date, date somebody who... Oh, okay. Mm-mm. For me, it's, like, it's... I've, like, I've not had any problems, like, hooking up or, like, establishing, like, those relationships. I, yeah. I compartmentalize sex in that way. Like, mm-hmm. I, it's no problem. Same. But, like, I also compartmentalize sex in that if we have a friendship, then this is complementary to that. This isn't take away from that. This isn't Don't alter Don't you think that. that that adds to feelings? Because I... Everybody my, says that. I was about to say to Compartmentalize. To yeah. myself, myself, I'm not robotic in that nature. Um, sex can get very, very complicated for me because I will get feeling now there are people that i've slept with on a regular basis who i feel absolutely nothing for but i want to say eight times out of ten i will develop feelings i i cannot imagine even if i tried to be like that type of boss bitch that was just like oh sex is sex i know me and i would be lying to myself and now i'm mad i don't want to (laughs) conflate i don't want to conflate like having sex with like not having or compartmentalizing sex with like not having feelings i am a feeler like that is like my driving force. It's what I talk about all the time, okay. more than sex even. Um, but I look at it in the way of sex is one thing. Mm-hmm. Sex also involves feelings. I enjoy sex more when there are feelings involved. Yeah, especially but if it's kissing and stuff. Exactly. Like it's, it's intimate and passionate. Right, I and just I, can't go about minding my business. But I love. And you I, have your girlfriend across the room from me. No. Do you? Are you a serial dater? No. Okay. Well, I can be. I can be because I mean I don't belong to anyone. So how how far along can you be with someone before you have to do the cutoff of like I can't see anybody else? I don't think there's an actual like numeric calendar like right. how, it's whenever we decide to take the next step. That's what I'm going to say. So anything short of you guys dating exclusively. Anything short of us date, right? Basically, so, if we are not exclusive, then I can date other people. Yeah, so, unless unless I start really getting feelings for you, Th- then I'll do it on because I'm not a petty person that would say that. Okay, well, I'm not cutting mine off until he cuts his off. Right. If I start really liking you, I'm then I'm, I'm you're my sole focus, right? Mm-hmm. And I'll return to them if things tank. Okay. But I'm not going to be like, well, I'm going to hold on to these three other, you know, men in my back pocket until he cuts out. No, please. I think for me it's different in that intimacy and passion, like you were talking about, are like such big drivers in my relationships in general. Mm-hmm. So that when I get to that point, like me making a decision to be exclusive with someone is just that. And it's like I'm not cutting them off, but I'm establishing boundaries. And that's another thing is like I think boundaries, us yes. as Capricorns, like just us, our personalities in general – you have to be like really, really direct and really like stern with your boundaries and really clear about what your boundaries are. And it's like, so you would not cut the side, the the, the people you've been dipping off. I've not. But they were friends. They're yeah. friends. Yeah. Oh, they're friends. See, so it's like, so I, you don't find that people that you date. See, I think I would have an issue with that because essentially what you're saying, I'm trying to imagine if I were dating a man, 
And you said that you're not going to have people out here looking stupid. So mm-hmm. you let's say, in theory, you let me know that you've had sex with A, B, and C. I then would not feel comfortable with you being friends with A, B, and C. It's bad. It, to me, it's, it's bad enough to be friends with one. But if it's like a roster and they all happen to be your friends, I'm side-eyeing you. And I'm side-eyeing how serious you are about being in a relationship. And that's with my me. work. That's my work to shoulder. Like, if we're in a relationship and, like, I... I have made it a point that, like, I have sex with my friends, I'm intimate with my friends, and I'm not cutting my friends off when I get in a relationship, then I have to do the work of making you feel comfortable right. despite Building that. my trust. Right. I have to do that because it's, this is something that like, I've brought to us. And showing that you are serious exactly. for this relationship. I have to do and all of those things. you're just not out here willy-nilly. Exactly. I have to do all those things before I... But see, then I would, my insecurity would creep up, and this has nothing to do with you, but everything to do with me, if you and your friends went, you know, to Malibu for a staycation. And, it's, it's, and let's say, in theory, it's innocent. Right. You all just rent a house but that's and going to Malibu. In my head, I'm like, okay. You like Samantha Jones when she busted in he's on He's on a trip with three people that he slept with. Right. I'm not going to be comfortable with that in any capacity. It takes a certain type of person because, you know, speaking to what Ryan said, there's people that I have messed around with, whether it be full-blown sex or just like messing around, who are my friends. Who are still around. And yeah, it may have happened once or twice. Or it happened a few times. Um, and they're still in my life as my friends. Um, obviously, when I get into a relationship, that ends. Usually a lot of time prior Before, to that. Yeah. Like, it, it's not like, okay, well, now I'm in a relationship. We have to stop now. Usually it's like at least six months. Or whatever and it's like be. with them being friends. Like, they, like, you're talking to them about this relationship that's developing. Mm-hmm. And so, like, but you don't know their intention. You oh, may be just fine out here willy nilly. Your friend might be feeling some type of way. But that's the thing. It's like at that, like I and I've had that too. I've not had that's that. That happens. Of, you all have mm-hmm. had, had sex or messed around or whatever. That's gonna be there. If you're not feeling it, you can guarantee that the other person is. But again, it comes back to communication and like I established that relationship with my friends. It's they, like they can sabotage your relationship. <laughs> I have to be like ridiculously honest and transparent and upfront with the people that I have relationships with, romantic or otherwise. And Mm -hmm. I require that of everyone else. Mm -hmm. So if it gets to a point where we are now in a situation where I'm in a relationship and like you are divulging like these feelings to me that like were not present before or that you lied about before, then like that's the issue that we have with our friendship. And now I have to do some different separation than had that not been the case. So it's like my friends, like the friends that, like, that have had feelings about me, I, I know. And I know where those lines lie. And I have to be mindful of that because it's different with all of them. It's like there are certain situations I just can't be in with certain friends because like, I know where those feelings are. Yeah, it's to be, be very discerning with, yeah. you know. Seems like uh, mental gymnastics. <laughs> you have fun with that. It, yeah. And it, it is. Like for me, it's it nothing. It sounds like it. For me, because you nothing, have to be considerate of your partner and the four people in your friend circle that you had sex exactly. with who all have different personalities and different approaches and different attitudes it's too much for him for it me. is it's one of those things that like i have to like constantly be reaffirming of for him but again like that's the work that i showed him yeah. because it's something that i know is necessary for me at least you person. can acknowledge that i yeah. mean as long as you're not exhausted doing it yeah i mean i haven't really had that issue as a recent I think when i was younger um especially like college post-college um I was having a lot of fun, and <laughs> when I would date people, they would always ask because I don't, I don't. I made the mistake. I remember one time a guy I was dating asked me 
about the people I've had sex with or my number or what the case may be. And I let him know and like I heard it until we broke up. And I was just like, I should have never told you body counts for so peace stupid. of mind. Because it's just like I why am I Body oh, counts. I, I mean, body counts. I have a general is, idea. To ask that is to me is so juvenile and trivial. Yeah, yeah. it is. Especially what does it change? And it don't have right. nothing to do with what's going on today. Today, right? Did and you so, get tested? Is my question. Right. right. And so I kind of stopped disclosing that information right away until I feel like I've gained enough trust and traction with the person I am with. Then I'll be like, okay, well, this person's still around in my life, and like I said, I won't have anybody out here looking stupid. But I just think that if something happened five years ago sometimes i even forget to be honest like oh yeah there was that one time in a parking lot um <laughs> dead ass and i forget and so but i haven't had anybody try to like sabotage me like in a public setting before right. um, i don't mess with those kind of like i'm not interested in that kind of people guy. you can't put anything past anybody Very yeah Very i mean yeah, I'm trying to think. I can't think of anything. But if you're just someone that I just had casual sex with, I have no problem telling you, like, hey, by the way, I found someone who's great and amazing. Um, we can no longer interact. Delete my number. Have well, a great see, life. I would have, I would have appreciated that courtesy for the man that got married on me on my birthday. Jesus, God. Um, and I had no concept of a fiancé, much less even a girlfriend. Um, for me, I think... I don't think I'd have any issue telling men. I don't have cuddy buddies at the moment. Like, I don't, I'd just rather not do that right now. But I don't think I'd have any issue if I were getting serious with the man telling them, like, I don't want anything to do with you. Um, I also. <laughs> would you say I just would. like that? I right. probably would because, like Ryan said, boundaries. I think that it is dangerous. And that's not saying that I don't trust myself or, or that I'm irresponsible. I just think that it is, it is dangerous if I'm taking my current relationship seriously to have you still lurking in my No, I'm situation. talking about the way that and you then on top say of, it. Or deliver well, it. yeah, that I would. I don't want anything to do with you because if I'm taking a man seriously, <laughs> well, what are you? And, but in fairness, men that I have uh, had sexual relationships with are not in my friend groups. I've never done anything yeah, with a friend. Yeah, never done anything with anyone I considered a friend. Have I? No, no, no. Maybe. Have once you become friends time. afterwards? Uh, yeah, I have become yeah, friends with, and with that's people that I've slept with. Well. Yeah. I certainly have, but I would also respect that if they told me that in return because yeah. it is a it's a slippery slope yeah it is a slippery slope and so in order to and like i said this isn't a, a conversation uh, about self-control uh, but it's a conversation of potential things going maybe haywire so i want nothing to do with you if we are having sex and i meet a, a guy that is taking me seriously and i'm taking him seriously there's nothing for us to talk about because nope. we are not friends. We were just having sex. Nope. And even if we developed a friendship, there is n the base of our friendship is well, likely sex. sex. Right. So it's nothing for us to talk about. So I don't think I'd have any gripes or qualms yeah. I'm cutting saying, people off. And yeah. if it's meant to be, if something happens down the line where I'm not with said man anymore, and if it's meant to be for me to link up back up with the with the past, then I will. If not, that's fine. It's enough out here for everybody. You know, if he's moved on, you know what I'm saying? Things yeah. like that happen because life goes, you know, life is forever changing and forever flowing. But I just think that for me, it, it, it's dangerous and, and a little irresponsible to keep people around like that. Who've it, seen your ecstasy face? It, oh, no. <laughs> I don't want my man being friends with people so, who have seen you his know ecstasy what? face. Okay. Or who, who have even seen him erect. It's one yeah. thing for a friend to see you naked. <laughs> like, yeah. oh, I barged in on your boyfriend that one time. You know, three years ago when we were in Malibu, I barged in on him in the bathroom. But 
the passion, the ecstasy phase, erect penis. Like, no, I don't want you around. So I've been. I don't want you around. <laughs> in different relationships. In different relationships. I don't. Where, like, the partner has, like, cheated on me. And, like, we got back together. Like, we tried to, like, work it out. That's always where my mind goes. It's like. A, he knows what you like when you come. Yep. And B, he knows what you sound like when you laugh. And like those things like would always be like the And you know you're only getting a, a corner, a slither of the story. Yeah yeah. You can say what you want to. You're not getting the nuances of what actually happened the pillow that night. Talk, like you are the, getting the bullet point. Yeah. You are getting the cliff notes. This happened version. Yep. I just need you to know that this, this happened. happened six months ago. Right. It was one time. Yeah. You don't have anything to worry about. You don't know about the lead up. You don't know about the heavy flirtation. You don't know about the pillow talk the the foreplay none of that so and to go back to like dating non-traditionally everybody's always like oh well you do this because like you you know want to sleep around it's like it has nothing to do oh, with God. that but i always it always trips me out when like people say that cheating is not like a um what's the word deal breaker yeah cheating is not a deal breaker and it's like they better speak for themselves <laughs> okay this ain't lemonade and that's the thing is like there's so many <laughs> this things is not lemonade there's so many things that go into cheating like cheating is not like a oh like this this happened oh shit it's like <laughs> there's so many like steps there's so many conversations we see this with pose with what's going on with Stan and right. um, Angel. Angel. Right. He's going to end up cheating on his wife and with like, Angel. That's why I And they had intimate. I already did. He kissed her. True. But they've had intimate conversations. Like, like you said, it's a recipe that goes into yeah. this. He was scoping the corner. She clocked him. And like when you you've think been about here. it in that context, it's like, oh, no, no, no. Like, I could, if this was like, oh, if you just happened to, like, fall and, like, your penis landed where it landed, that would be one thing. Mm-hmm. Accidents happen. They don't happen like that. But mm-hmm. accidents happen. But for you to have exchanged these text messages, yep. for you to have liked those pictures, yep. for you to have had these conversations, for somebody you to have pursued been in those. Somebody. For you mm-hmm. to, somebody was okay with and it. And you know. You know. You know when people are trying know. to get in your Drama. Exactly, and like you, know you, you allow that real estate. You like open that door, or like you allow the door you to be like open. Whatever yeah. the case may be, like so many things happen before getting to that point. Right, naked in the bed. The answer is no. The answer is no. I just know that more power to those of you all who are out there who are different from Shar. But as for me, but as for me, <laughs> beloved, <laughs> I would prefer my man not be in any communication with anybody who he has slept with. I don't Ever. care if it was Have 10 years ago. I don't really? care. Well, you know what? I take that back because <laughs> sometimes things happen. But if you had sex with someone re- repeatedly, if y'all had like a little routine, I don't want, I don't want, I don't want this person. I don't want to be walking down the aisle at our wedding and see the back of this person's head oh. and see them at the reception. Like I'm, I don't want that. I don't, that's not good for my psyche. I don't want that. See, I think it all depends on what the relationship was. If it's a hoe, like the question was initially, no, still like you're friends. not. I don't even want your exes. Still, Prince Harry had his exes at him and Meghan Markle's uh, wedding. <laughs> right. I'm not having that. More power to her. I'm not having that. We're not having that. If, if, if they have some, a relationship, yeah. then I don't mind. If, if, if they have a, if they have a relationship like they've if they've, if they've developed a friendship since and you've done your job in making me secure and that right. this is now right, no longer an issue then I'm fine yeah I'm the same way but and I'm I also, also like you said like you could compartmentalize sex and a friendship I was yep like if I if I understand because I've done it most myself, people are not like that most people are not yeah. robotic in that nature I don't need you getting up in the middle of the night to go support your friend who's sad and something happens because y'all had sex a few times well, a again, few years ago and now they didn't found comfort they didn't found comfort in between your goddamn thighs no 
I'm thankful that like my friends know, understand, and respect my boundaries. Right. If you disrespect me, that. yeah, that's, then thing that's something too, totally different. If you're yeah. Knowing that I'm with somebody new, then right. you gotta go. Don't ever. I'm Gucci. Let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> so, Ryan. Yes. You are here in Laz. So, to give everyone a little story about how... I don't even remember the first time I actually like met you. I don't either. If you guys remember, I think I brought it up on the show before, but there was a channel, a YouTube channel, um, back around like the... Like 2010 to 2014, yeah. right, era? The rollback. Right. Uh, it was called ADTV. It was based in New York City. And Ryan here was affiliated. And what did you do exactly <laughs> with ADTV? Um, so at the time, I was running social media for ADTV and then helping out with like event planning. Okay. So, did I meet you at Fire Island? No, I did not go that? on the Fire Island trip. Okay, <laughs> did you hear about that? I did hear about the Fire story? Island trip, yeah. but I was not present for those shenanigans. Um, I met Ryan Summer on the lines, but yeah, New York was a great time, and um, now you're here in Los Angeles. Do you prefer New York, or do you prefer LA? How long mm. have you been here, by the way? What is today? June 6th, um, but this will air on the 8th. I have been here five months. Five months. It'll okay. be five months on the 16th. So, or on the 10th, rather. Excuse me. What do you prefer? Are you LA? Oh, New York with that question. Oh, okay. Yeah. Why? Uh, New York is just it for me. The speed, uh, the lifestyle. <sighs> you could actually speak because LA is full of traffic. The people. Um, I was I talk about this on Twitter a lot. Like, just in, like, me adjusting to LA. Like, I had, like, I took a year to, like, prepare myself for the move. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, the things that I was going to be giving up, the things that I was going to have to, like, get a- accustomed to. The primary things were uh, traffic and then being three hours behind everything that, like, I mm-hmm. knew and, like, grew up with. Um, but with th- the thing that I did not know that I had to give up or that I wasn't expecting having to get up, give up was the sense of community in New York. Right. Um, and it's not even so much as, like, not having friends. Because, like, I have friends here. Mm-hmm. Um, not to the degree that I do in New York, but, like, I have, like, a good a good amount. You have a good group. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but even in that, there's just, like, there's a different energy about, like, going out and meeting up here than it is yeah. in New York. Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, I've never lived in New York, but I'm from Chicago. Mm-hmm. So I can agree with you with pacing. Chicago is also my, my second New York. Like, that's, Well, Chicago's I the second it. city. I love it. Um, that was my biggest, one of my biggest adjustments moving here was the pacing everything is so slow (laughs) i am used to the get up and go the power walk down michigan avenue hell i'm even used to emails being answered quickly hello everybody's on a glacial (laughs) pace in the west coast um but yeah i I, and i've also heard conversations around the sense of community that's right in in new york we are all on the train together and we all have mm-hmm. r- like roommates. People. It's, it's incessant intimacy. Shitty trains. Incessant intimacy. Like you were always surrounded by people. You will always have to be like, even when you're not, you still have to be like conscious and considerate of the people around you. Just mm-hmm. Versus here, everybody is in cars. So that's a status symbol. Your apartment, that's a status symbol. And New York really doesn't have those varying. I mean, it does yeah. to certain regards, but not to the extent that LA does. Right. Like, like the, we're all in this together. Right. And like mm-hmm. the boroughs in New York like run against each other whereas like there's space between like this, the cities and the suburbs within in LA. Mm-hmm. Right. And just like navigating. LA's so spread yeah. out. Yeah. 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 Like Manhattan's like the center point where you meet up. That's what I was saying. I was telling Char earlier today that we had Kiss and Tell live um, New York on a Wednesday at like 6 o'clock. 
that could never happen in Los Angeles nope. because no one would make it on time. No one would make it on time because that time of rush hour. First of all, you have to leave work, work at five. Yeah. Yes. And like, girl, no. Maybe four thirty, yeah. depending right. on where where it is, and right. if you have to change. I had like, to leave here. I had to leave work. It took me an hour and a half to get here. That's Santa, Santa, Santa Monica. Oh, yeah. I, I see why. Mm-hmm. I've had to go to events. Uh, all of my jobs have been in the Valley. And going to events in Hollywood, I would typically bring clothes to work because I have you, there's no wiggle room to go home. Uh-uh. And I bring everything that I need. Deodorant, perfume, makeup to touch up. And I would go. Your whole bathroom. I had a yeah. flexible boss. Thank God. And I would go down there and do what I had to do. Go to the second floor bathroom because no one was ever in there and they had the best lighting. And do what I had to do. And then I would catch my Uber and go straight to the event. But then in hindsight, there would be a bag of clothes in my big drawer at the because I can't take it with me. Right, or my work. shoes are in my purse. Like right. you can't show you have up a closet to the event. At work. Literally. Um, and so then I'd end up taking the clothes home the next day. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so yeah, that, that's interesting. I, and not to complain about LA for too much longer, but I just, I just don't understand how it makes sense that it will take me 15 minutes to get that one distance, and then two hours to get the same distance the, same the next distance. day. Yeah, yeah. Like it's, it doesn't make any sense to me. But Thankfully, I, oh, go ahead. I experienced that coming from Marina Del Rey. I think that was my first time I experiencing to the LA traffic this because everything I do is in the valley, so it's not too too bad. But getting from Marina Del Rey, it was the night that Black Panther premiered, mm-hmm. that Thursday night. Um, my friend had gotten me a ticket, and I was meeting him in North Hollywood. Um, and it took forever. I think I left Marina Del Rey at like 5.36. I didn't think I was going to make it at 7. Ugh. Luckily, I did, but it was a road trip. Yeah. I went Moving to sleep. To the suburbs. I went to sleep, <laughs> woke up, still in traffic. Went yep. to sleep again, listened to a podcast, like everything. I'm like, what? It's draining. The hell? It's draining. Yeah. So, what? So, you're working on writing right now? Is that. Um, in my free time. Like, that's okay. like the five to nine. The nine to five is social media, digital media, branding. Got Copy it. That. And that's why you're here. Yes. Not because the weather. Correct. Uh, I mean,. I very much like it was a conscious speak decision. Speak your truth. Like it, <laughs> I didn't move out here for palm trees, so speak your truth. <laughs> right. It was very much like I I know that New York is going to be like my end all be all. Mm-hmm. So I really, to, yeah, oh, yes, yeah. It was exactly. just so funny because like I didn't I didn't think so. Even when I moved there, I was like, I I, I you love moved it there here. after college. Yeah. Okay. I love it here, but I don't want to raise a family here. I'll never forget. I remember my very first time riding the subway there was like a mom and like she had a little child and he was like just pointing to different things on the subway mm-hmm. and then it was like i got close and like realized like she was having him run drills and even if he ever got lost on the subway he would know how to get home oh. and i was like oh absolutely the fuck not. i see people like, picking what? up strollers off the You're subway. About the train like, no. here in at los angeles no, no, no in new york, oh, in new york. Okay. yeah and so like i didn't want to raise a family in that environment but like, no. now i do i just need to be at a certain income bracket absolutely mm-hmm. so but in, even even in LA, both cities have their pros and cons, right? Because I think LA has this laissez-faire attitude about drinking and driving that I will never understand. So many people have DUIs. It's so, so casual. Many, all my friends, all yeah. of it's so the, casual. it's so casual. No one takes anything seriously. <laughs> and I feel like when I was raised, growing up in Chicago school district, I was petrified. Of, like that's one one of my biggest fears is being involved in a wrong way crash. Yeah, uh, I had a friend in Texas, in Dallas. She lost her boyfriend and his little brother to a wrong way crash they were coming back from six flags and somebody was coming they were exiting the highway and someone was coming on that way with their headlights off going 80 miles an hour and killed them yes she lost her boyfriend and his little brother so that became one of my worst fears but every day i watch the news and it's just like this casual approach 
to drinking, I mean, well, driving under the influence that yeah. I will never understand. Well, there's, there's certain two things culturally that, that I'll never understand. That is, one, the public transportation out here is horrific. There's Uber. Yeah. Now, There's Uber now. Now. now that's my yeah. Oh, but they didn't have There's it. Uber now gotcha. live now. But when I was growing up. It's also up, mountainous terrain around here. Like, you know, like. Yeah. I mean, that's like Arrowhead. But. Are I, you trusting yourself coming from Mulholland back to North Hollywood? I, mean, I still very much can't wait for like my first like Hollywood Hills party. Like. Oh, you haven't been to one yet? No, we'll I would, like up time. in the mountains, like lavish they fucking they house. Okay. It drugs everywhere. Yeah. Like that's, I just want. Yeah. But oh. I just remember just one like, night, one good night. Cabs to get around Los Angeles because in New York you take the train. You could be drunk as shit on the train and make it home. Yeah, Los Angeles it would take you one twenty round trip to get anywhere in a cab because they're so expensive. Out here. I've so never Uber even seen. Lyft, do we have cabs? There's there? definitely cabs here. Really? And That's I didn't wild. know that until my friends would come to town and they'd be like, "Hey, I took a cab from the airport to my hotel and it was a hundred dollars." That's brazy. Excuse me. <laughs> Where are you staying? Woo! child the ghetto right and so but people are used to cabs being efficient ways of transportation mm-hmm. when in los angeles is so expensive and it doesn't make any sense so thank well, you for uber and lyft for getting yeah around. i was say because i don't drive here Me either yeah um, oh, that would I, be I, I uber everywhere same like i live well i live downtown and like i work in santa monica so like there's a train that goes literally oh, a yep, block yep, yep. from my house mm-hmm. right to santa monica uh, I, the metro. Yeah, I live over in else. this area and i worked in van nuys okay and i would take like the red line yep. and and some days i'd uber if i was feeling f- f- funky fresh <laughs> come on I'd Chris Kardashian. and the price was right <laughs> yep sometimes the price is oh, okay it's a little 14 dollar okay we having a good yeah cool so how long do you plan on staying in la BT uh and is bay new york is that so contractually i'm here for at least a year okay and then i could see maybe another year after that okay and then he'll be here in october Okay. Work. He'll be here mm-hmm. in Los Angeles in October. He's finishing grad school right now. Come on, Work. educated. Mm-hmm. Come on, accolades. So what would be your top two advice for someone who's moving to Los Angeles? I feel like Ooh. a lot of people are coming here. Yes. Like a lot. Yeah. It's, and like we're not built for that amount of people. It's so crazy. <laughs> like, Well, people have false equivalency. Like people think L.A. is one thing until they like it's, it's a bit of and a jungle. They to get everywhere. Mm-hmm. It's a bit of a jungle. Um, top two bits of advice. Uh, even coming from New York, you have to be supremely okay with being alone. Because, like, you spend a lot of time alone. Yes. Even, like, when you have, like, a solid friend circle. Yes. Like, mm-hmm. people flake. People don't come out to things. Funny act. Um, like, it just, they, <laughs> event plans just won't happen. It's like, yeah. you have to be okay with being able to, like, do things on your own and enjoy your own company. Mm-hmm. That's first and foremost. And I think I'm thankful. you end up staying in the house. Absolutely. Yeah. And I'm thankful that I was able to establish that in New York. Um, and then the second thing is kind of, like, counter to that, like, you have to be in a space where you are comfortable going out and like meeting people. Um, I'm not at all somebody that is, you know, like a networker. Like I don't go out. Like an extrovert at, type A personality. Well, I'm definitely an extrovert, but like among my friends or among environment situations that like yeah. I'm familiar and comfortable with. But in terms of like going out and like, like let's say there was like a networking event for work, I'm not going because like I'm not going to talk to random people. I'm not going to like be there effectively selling myself. I'm not that person. But if it's like something like social, where it's just like we're just sitting around talking about Beyonce, Kicking, like bullshitting, yeah. I can 105 percent can See, do that. I used to be just to just to I guess bounce off of that. Um, I find like how I mentioned earlier, I was more confident when I was younger. 
as I got older, I often joke and say that life, but I want to say L.A. definitely contributed to like, you know, who taught you how to hate yourself? Mm. Who taught you how to second guess yourself? Well, L.A. taught me a lot. (laughs) Um, Not saying that I ever like embarrassed myself or did anything crazy, but I have found myself even at the deadline party prior to Jace arriving. I was just kind of keeping to myself and I didn't want to be that girl. But I noticed and even at the last production company that I worked at, I would often complain about the culture and how it wasn't inviting and how we needed an inclusion writer because it was like this idea of every white woman there was like a UCLA cheerleader and every white guy was a jock and everybody had their cliques. Like you'd go to company lunch and if you sat at a table, if somebody to your right is friends with everybody to the right, they have their back to you. Mm-hmm. There's no like, hey, hey, Ryan, I haven't seen you. What's your name? Right. Oh, Ryan, nice to meet you. What do you do here? There's really not a lot of that culture. It's a lot of, right. I, there were even people. set you up for it. There were even people that I worked on shows with for months on end, there was one guy who I used to, because he worked nights, so he was like an overnight editor. And so when during our company lunch, I would text him. I would take it upon myself and text him and say, hey, do you want me to p- place you a plate aside? Because that's just the type of girl that I am. Right. And I would. Oh, yeah, okay, he wants Chipotle, no sour cream. Da, da, da. I saw him months after that gig, and he walked right past me. That's cra- it's like, that's just, crazy. Just the culture here is just very uh, odd to me. So I get what you. I totally understand what you're saying when you say do things alone. That's how I ended up at Francesca's book signing. I yeah. went alone. If I had been waiting or exploring my options to pick somebody to go with, you people went. will inconvenience you with the time. Then you're late. You miss it. Or, you know, all different types of stuff. And I ended up meeting new friends. I ended up meeting four or five black girls who I exchanged my number with. You know what I'm saying? So I get, I totally hear you. Mm -hmm. Totally. Those are the things that like I've had to like make peace with since being here. Which has been like versus exciting. New York. Okay. I I, I don't want to do a compare contrast to New York with everything, (laughs) but versus New York. um, Are you saying that people are a little bit more accessible or people are a little bit more ready to up and go where we can meet and go down into that smelly hole of a train together. Yes. Mm-hmm. And rough because it out. it's easier. I don't think it's necessarily inherent of the people. It could be because New York is a very, a very different New York energy. is alluring to me. It's a very different Based energy. on podcasts that I listen to and it does feel like more of a sense of community. Yes. Versus LA to me feels a little bit more competitive and, and, and uh, yes. contrived. And New York, I feel like from people that I've talked to, I have two sisters that live there. Yeah. It kind of is this sense of like, we're all in this, like I keep saying, we're yeah. all in this together. Yeah. You know, type thing. And like, LA is kind of like. New York is shit to people that live there. And like everyone commiserates over that fact. Right. Okay. And, and like, it's hard. Yeah. It's like, hard on it's everybody. Hard. On everybody. The weather's Versus hard on LA. You. LA's not hard on everybody. Nope. And also, and it's I easier think to stunt LA, in front in LA. And right, that's a, that's exactly. a really that's a really key point. And like that's one of the first things that I recognize. It's like so when you are moving to LA, or when you're when you're talking about it, when you're not here yet, everybody's like, oh well, you know, LA, people in LA are like really superficial, or like they're really fake. Vapid like that's the stereotype of LA people. It is. And I won't say that that's true so much as it is positioning, right? Like mm-hmm. everybody, for the most part, is trying to accomplish something. Yes. By very different means. Yes. In New York, it is, I am busy because, like, there's something, like, I'm working towards. And, like, in New York, you have to show the work. Whereas in L.A., it's, 
you have to. You can lease the Maserati. You, you, you can, can exactly. live in the Beverly Hills Tower. You can actually fake it till you make it. You yeah. can't. And people you can't really are do that uh, like attracted to that as well. Right. Oh, exactly. absolutely. Yes. You can't it's do all that about the to the same climb. degree in New York. Mm-hmm. Like somebody's gonna call you on. Like for my like I lived in New York twice, two different stints. Okay. In the first stint, like I was writing for Can Civil. I was writing for different blogs. Like that's when I got like my ebony feature and like my washington post feature like all that was happening and i was like three four months behind rent about to get evicted Mm -hmm. i had to take a job in boston to a be able to afford to live how far is boston from new york uh it's like three to four hours yeah you were making like a daily commute no No. um (laughs) i moved back Oh, okay. Like I had I to leave to New say, York like to like Houston to Dallas. Right. I had Every to move day. back. To, I had to move to Boston to like reset to like get okay. my life back together. Yeah. And then relaunch. Yeah. And so like that was very much the thing. But like during that time though, like if you looked at my Instagram, if you looked at like you would see me at all the parties, you would see mm-hmm. me at all the events, right. you would see my byline. Like bitch Ryan was there. But right. like meanwhile, like I lived in like a loft. Like I think JC might have been to my apartment. But, like I had I. It was a three-bedroom loft, but it was... In Harlem? Three, no, it was in Brooklyn. I hate Harlem. But it was a three-bedroom apartment, <laughs> yeah. but it the third bedroom was like a converted loft. And, like, you couldn't even stand up. I'm 5'6". Mm. I couldn't stand up fully. And it was like, that's what, like, that was, mind you, like, it was really. I hear these stories all the mm-hmm. time, though. And that's why I keep saying we're all in this together. Right. Everybody's in some form of a shitty apartment. Yes. And if you're not in a shitty apartment, you got shitty roommates. We all got to ride this shitty train and we'll get it's a slice of pizza right. on the way. It's that shitty right. And we might run into, someone was beer. telling me. But they, we're super fab outside of this apartment. Right. And someone was telling me like the, the like some of the advantages like you might run into the president of ABC just just throwing that as an mm-hmm. example like in the train and be able to pitch something versus here Grace everybody no still... one walks and right. uh, you got to hope that you meet the president of ABC in a restaurant and if you can even get back in the back room type thing like it's very being much broke more in New York is a lot different from being broke in LA yep. A lot. Because you still have fun in New York. I don't think you, you can, can be broken fun. in LA. Can, can you be broken in LA? Oh, yes. You can, oh. You can oh. but it's a lot of different experience. Oh, yes. <laughs> in New York, like, you can, it's one of those things, like, it. you're not necessarily faking it. It's just, like, everybody's living that life. Right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that sounds endearing and alluring, honestly. It, it was one of those, like, me, it, I, I learned so much. I learned so much. I relearned how to live in New York. Absolutely. You learn Never what you can live, live without. My <laughs> sisters seem to be doing just fine, but I do remember one time, once upon a time, one of my sisters, she had to go to Jersey. She was so determined to go to live in New York, and yeah. she had lived there and had worked there. She was so mad. There were a series of things that led her back to Chicago, but when she moved back, she had to go to Jersey. She hated it. She fought tooth and nail. My sister is a hustler fought tooth and nail and is in New York and she is never going back to Jersey. Like she, that is where she is. My sister's been there. I have two sisters that live there. Like I said, one moved there at like 24, but my sister Andrea has been in New York since she was 18. Mm -hmm. Well, Ashley, Ashley moved in when she was like 23, I'll say. 23 yeah she's been there for like two years, but Andrea, she's a full on New Yorker at this point. And that's the thing. It's like, I, I knew going into Boston, like the goal wasn't to be in Boston. It was like, bitch, I need to come back to New York to live right. where I thought I want to live. They'll be like me if I move to Rancho Cucamonga. <laughs> okay. Hey, don't hate on the IE. I'm not hating on it, but I'm saying my goal. I don't. I didn't move to the West Coast to make right. a life in Rancho Cucamonga. And it's funny right. you say that too, because I think my viewpoint of LA is a little distorted because I've lived outside of Los Angeles and Southern California, and LA is like gutter. Mm. Like I. 
Oh, it's convenient. I, remember, I got to see uh, Black Panther at like a private screening in Sherman Oaks because of my mm, job. Gotcha. And when I found out like how what they were like, I was like, oh, is this a front lawn? So I basically <laughs> live in the ghetto. Is what like I live like what? Yeah, Sherman Oaks is very nice. It's a whole different Sherman Oaks and um, Calabasas and like mm-hmm. oh, I almost lived in Woodland well, Hills. Calabasas it is kind of like Norco with me. My yeah. God, it's nice as shit Calabasas out there. Calabasas got a lot of horses and shit. <laughs> if you not if you don't live in the Oaks of Calabasas, yeah. then there's really no Hidden Hills out there um but yeah i love woodland hills so much that little <laughs> suburb gorgeous. i wanted to live there so bad but it's out of the way of literally everything that i do every job i work it would be a my ubers <laughs> would kick Ooh. my ass if i lived in woodland I hills. Always say, in order to live in those suburbs you have to be in a position where like it does not matter like people are waiting on you yeah like that's that's those people and that you live talk in about that. being okay with being alone if i lived in woodland hills oh my gosh i would but i bet i'd have a man you, would, like, you would have a, two kids a or man, you would be able and to a fly dog. To your man yeah 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 but no when i was moving it was either an apartment where i currently stay or an apartment in Willow. they cost the same yeah um, and I chose the one where I currently stay because it was a little bit more central to everything yeah. that I do and everyone I go. I'm like 10, 15 minutes from downtown. I'm not far from Pasadena. You know, I'm still up near Burbank and mm-hmm. everything that I frequent, you know, Glendale, all of that stuff. So, Hollywood. Yeah. All of those things were like super intentional because like I knew even in me being prepared or like trying to prepare myself for it, I knew that I would still have like that adjustment period. Yeah. So like I chose downtown to have what? like that, that city feeling. I moved to downtown too when yeah. I moved here. I, I, it'll be four years on the 15th. Because it, it, like you're from Chicago, like having the city. Think, mm-hmm. Right, but exactly. it's not. It's not. It's not. It's not. But, but it's would, better than like having moved to West Hollywood. Right, down Downtown like, did not traumatize me. It did with the filth because Chicago is not that dirty. No, it is not. Um, but I knew that I'd be okay. Exactly. I knew that I'd be able to function yep. in downtown. If I can live in Chicago. Exactly. Because I, I, I know how to navigate the dynamics of a downtown. Yes. And then, like I take the train to work because like that's and familiar. Pacing, right. Yes. Like all of these things to like. I took the like, train. Also, I took it to the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Exactly. I went to. Ooh. I took the train everywhere when the I first got here. I, I took it to Long Beach, to Belmont. See, and it's I didn't all know these... there was a train until I was like 22. <laughs> Same. Well, no the clue. Metro is relatively new. I don't know about the other lines. They're or no, it's been old. Um, it's been around. All of those that red line Ooh. I did with the, the gold line is pretty glamorous. I like the gold and the light blue, and the red needs to be redone. Like, that's the oldest, right? The it red feels like it. it feels like the oldest. Well, shout out to all the transplants out there, and keep it, keep it, keep it strong. Keep the community. Hey, yo, Amen. It's not easy. That ain't, but you'll get through it. Sure, <laughs> Are you playing a, a game with Ryan or no? No, we're gonna skip the game. All right. <laughs> well, maybe we'll play on Twitter. All right, time for the kiss and tell kudos. So this yeah, week's KAT kudos goes to Jazz Jennings. If you all are not familiar with her, she is a transgender teenager. Um, and she has her own show on the TLC network named I Am Jazz that has been kind of chronicling her transition and her family. and every, like She got her start, I think Barbara Walters did a documentary, Katie Couric followed up. And so, yeah, she's been on TLC for a few years now, but she recently just got approved to get her gender reassign, well, gender confirmation surgery. She's only 17, work. Um, and in the show... Last time I watched it, I remember her being overweight because for those of you who do not know, um, hormone replacement therapy does make you gain weight when you're dealing with estrogen and it makes your weight 10 times harder to lose. That's why you frequently hear women like it's so hard, like men can cut out soda and lose 30 pounds and just for just cutting out soda for 60 days. Mm -hmm. Women 
And I learned this once I began hormone replacement therapy. You have to work 10 times harder. Like, it's not an exaggeration. Estrogen will keep the weight on you. So she was 30 pounds overweight, and the doctors refused to operate on her. You literally have to be a specific weight to get gender confirmation surgery. And even if you are the weight, you still have to have a certain body mass index. Like, if you're one number over, you're not getting the surgery. But anyway, mm, she's been approved. She lost her 30 pounds. She's being appro- she's been approved. And so she's going to be getting her surgery within this these upcoming weeks, I think, on June 24th. And then we'll be able to watch it in the fall when her reality show, because, of course, they're documenting it. I was about it. to say. <laughs> of course they are. And they're filming dope, now. And so uh, we'll be able to watch it. Because it's been interesting watching her. I think she started transitioning at 7. Yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, yes. And so it's been interesting watching her navigate middle school when she was as a trans uh, girl, you know, Um, and the bathrooms. And even when all of her friends, you know, in middle school, everybody's breaking off, getting little boyfriends and stuff and how she wasn't and how that took a a toll on her. So, yeah. Um, Shout out to I Am Jazz. If you all have never checked it out, I'm sure it's on the TLC app. It's on on demand. Um, And congratulations to Jazz because that is something. She lives here in California. I just don't know where. Um, No, she lives in Florida, Florida. But she was out here in California last season dealing with Dr. Marcy Bowers, who is famous for gender confirmation surgery, Um, who is also trans. She's a trans doctor, transgender woman Mm -hmm. doctor. Um, So, yeah, I'm congratulating Jazz and highlighting her because she has... She's going to be getting something that so many people want. So well, shout out to Jazz and good luck on your surgery. Yes. Ryan. On the really, really superficial side, like I'm really big on like precision of language. And I love like I'd never heard gender confirmation, oh, confirmation. surgery. Mm-hmm. I've only heard like gender reassignment. And so yeah. like obviously gender confirmation is much more yes. direct mm-hmm. and articulate well, of listen, what's happening. We're all learning at the same time. I, yeah. I heard I was introduced to that term maybe like last year or two years ago. Because I was saying reassignment as well, but it's yeah. it's, it's more PC. Well, and you introduced it, it to so. me. I love it. Confirmation. So yeah, shout out to just Jess. like as a lover of language. Yeah. Well, thank you, Ryan. Thank, thank you, you for and welcome us. to like, LA. This, you're on a podcast. You're still LA now. Yeah. So I mean, <laughs> it's be thank fun. you guys for having me. You don't pop your chair. Time. Is this your first podcast you've been on? No. Oh, well, no. <laughs> your and first LA we podcast. Go, it is my first LA podcast. Okay, yeah. here we go. <laughs> all right. I get something. Before Shit. we get out of here, we want to remind you all that uh, Kiss and Tell, our live show tickets are on sale. It is next Sunday. Oh, my God. June 17th from 4 to 7 p.m. at the Downtown Independent in downtown Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. And right now, Jace, don't we have a sale going on until Sunday? We sure do. We have a promotion going it's on until weekend. midnight on Sunday. The code. Pacific time, right? Pacific time. Well, yes. Yeah, 3 a.m. Eastern. But if you want to fly out, but by all means. Yeah. Um, but the code is Kiss Me is on the Eventbrite, kat100.eventbrite.com. If you enter the code Kiss Me, you will get 40% off all tickets. Um, so so get that your means tickets. your ticket just went from $10 to $6. Mm-hmm. So don't shoot, come shoot, on shoot. Monday talking about. <laughs> I missed know, it. Yeah, yeah, get them now because yes. they're going to go for um, Y'all chose a good weekend too. Mm-hmm. I mean, oh yeah, we had the friends on the day before. Yeah. So you could double. Dip. I'm gonna be out of town. Like we can't do pride. Like it's a lot. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's gonna be a good show. I'm excited. Like I said, next Sunday, June 17th, you can go to kat100.eventbrite.com and get your tickets there. And do not forget the promotional code, which is Kiss Me, mm-hmm. and get that 40 percent off. So you can get that shit for six dollars. And tell a friend, bring daddy. I know it's Father's Hashtag Day. bring daddy. Bring daddy. <laughs> and uh, yes, we will be talking to you all next week. And then the week after that, 
Mm-hmm. And we have announcements coming up as well. Mm-hmm. Oh, sure yes. Do. Buckle up, Buttercup. Until next week, I love us for real, y'all. Thanks Hold for joining on. us, Ryan. Ryan, where can we find you? Oh, uh, I am right like Ryan on Twitter, as Shar always likes to call Right it. like Ryan, formerly of Complex. <laughs> <laughs> and run after Ryan on Instagram. And that's really all y'all hoes need. Oh. There's no in, uh, no underscores or anything in your name? No. Straight so through. write like Ryan. Write like Ryan. And that's right w- as in I'm writing a paper. That is correct. W-R-I-T. Not I'm right. You write I'm wrong. I mean, I am. <laughs> but <laughs> write like Ryan. Write like Ryan on Instagram. Run I mean, after. on Twitter. And Twitter. run like Ryan run on after Instagram. Ryan. Run after Ryan. Yes. Like you're chasing oh, you. Oh, God. Write like Ryan on Twitter. Run after Ryan on Instagram blessed you're so extra you can find jace everywhere at jace baron and myself at char says so everywhere i love us for real i'll see y'all in person next sunday bye god bless bye